0: Evans the punt Ravens set to get good field position here. Dylan Wallace from the 25 and Wallace breaks
1: out of the tackle takes it down the sideline he
0: stays bounds. he stays
2: on his feet he takes it all the way and ends the game.
3: Yeah, that's how it sounded yesterday on Fox. Joe Davis on the call as the Ravens win in overtime <clears throat> 37 to 31. <sighs> I don't know what I have going on. I don't know. I hope it's not RSV. It yeah, actually is RSV, by the way. Like, what is it?
4: Respiratory?
3: Yes. We got that part. We all know that part. We used to just call them. Is it the same thing as what we would always call an upper respiratory virus? What's the difference between RSV and an upper respiratory virus? That's the important stuff we got to get to.
4: Respiratory uh, synctile virus.
3: And is that just an upper respiratory virus?
4: Um, I don't know.
3: I, I was doing, okay, so Saturday Sin, was sorry, a... Sorry, syncytial. Nailed it. Yes, Nailed I it.
4: They have a pronunciation right there for
3: it. You know, it's when uh, when I would go out in college, I would say, Hey, hon, yeah. hey, tonight let's go to syncytial. <laughs> She'd be like... But but Glenn, that's the place where all the girls dress up as sexy cowgirls or whatever. I'm like, yeah, all right, anyway. It um, is a
4: common respiratory virus, yeah. So that causes. Mild- but is it the
3: same thing as an upper respiratory virus? Because we always used to call whenever like we couldn't really. I feel like that was always what we used to use when we couldn't define.
4: Well, I hope you don't have it for what it's worth.
3: I hope so too. I agree with that. I, and I. I, I just don't know what the difference is. Like, is it is it an actual disease? I feel like we would always use upper respiratory virus whenever we were, like, hacking. That was just what we would always say. We'd be like, ah, I got an upper respiratory virus. And it was, like, the way of saying it's not a cold, it's something a little bit different than that. I can't tell how RSV is different.
4: Um. Yeah, neither can I. I'm not a it says, okay, it says, it says It says R- CBS News says RSV is one of many viruses that cause upper respiratory infections. So maybe this is the RSV would be the precursor, I guess. To uh, I don't know, I don't know, To, man. to deeper right. upper.
3: I think I'm okay, but on Saturday I had a busy Saturday. Spent the entire day at uh, my cousin's house baking cookies, and uh. I know that doesn't sound like it's very intensive, but like we, we it's intensive.
4: You were running out of breath.
3: No, no, I wasn't running out of breath. Oh, okay. It was just like. I don't think I think people like think about like baking cookies at their house like we bake cookies for like a hundred people like it's out of control, so I do that all day and then I drive down to Damatha and then I call three basketball games consecutively, and then on the way back, all of a sudden, on the way home, I'm just like Bzz. like I'm zombified yeah. like I'm utter i Tim Barbalay had invited me to stop by, and I was like conveniently hoping he didn't text me back because I was like I just need to go home I get home I'm all of a sudden like cold like this isn't good like I was worried for a minute had a headache the whole thing sat down on the couch passed out on the couch woke up Sunday morning did not have any interest in getting out of bed I'm like I don't know today might be that day I don't normally have a whole lot of sick days but today might be the day which is great because you know I don't have to go into the studio anymore to do post game big thumbs up Thank you, all parties involved. Um, So I'm like, man, this might be the day. Took a couple of ibuprofens in the morning. Hour later, I felt fine. Not good. I never put on deodorant or changed my pants. I think I wore the same underwear from Saturday night that... That this morning helped. that helped. Yeah, I think right. it did. I think it did.
4: Oh. Alan Robinson uh, on YouTube. Not, the, I don't think it's the Al Ron- Alan. Not, Robinson. not the one that plays for the Steelers. No, are you sure? No, I don't think so. Said Somebody she- on
3: Twitter yesterday was really convinced <laughs> that Alan Robinson was still playing for the Rams. Like a prominent NFL writer was like, I don't understand why Matt Stafford keeps throwing to Alan Robinson in the end zone. Like, well, what if I told you?
4: It is a specific, RSV a specific respiratory virus that is more common among small children, like very young children, and adults 65 and older. Okay,
3: so is it, it sounds like it's just, it's, like people were talking about RSV like it's the worst thing that could have ever, oh, hang on a second, is this information? Ah, thank you, Leah. Leah's uh, like Leah says, Harriet yeah. asks, what's the difference between an upper respiratory infection and RSV? Why do we need a vaccine for RSV if the virus has been around forever? The answer from Dr. Malika, and I've I trust, always. I trust Dr. Malika. She sounds trustworthy. RSV is one of many viruses that come that cause upper respiratory infections like the common cold with mild symptoms like stuffy nose. No, I mean no different than normal. Scratchy throat, yes. Oh, and cough. Eh. But in people at risk such as seniors and babies, RSV can cause a lower respiratory illness. Oh, that's the one you don't want apparently. With deep cough, wheezing and respiratory uh, okay. No, nah, no, we're we're good. Uh, yes, I am wheezy but I ain't asthmatic. I mean, everybody knows that about me. I'm dropping drop, yeah, I dropping, dropping gems job. over Good here. Job. Just gems. Look back at his dumb face. No, I got it Yeah. And can Good be job. deadly. Up to 120,000 older adults are hospitalized from RSV each year in the U.S. And up to 10,000 die. Jesus Damn. Christ. I don't care for that. Well, then why have we only started talking about it? Why is the this the first year that anyone's ever used the phrase RSV around? I, me? I guess because everyone's more.
4: Uh, I think this aware is a deep
3: state conspiracy. That's what you think. I of- think this is. If this is really the case, that up to ten thousand people die every year, I feel like at some point in my life I would have heard about it. I don't believe
4: once it. RSV starts killing millions.
3: Yeah, I think this is not. This is bunk. This is what the government wants you to believe. I'm going to be an RSV truther. I've decided that's going to be my identity moving forward. And it's turning the frogs, gay. I'm going to do the whole thing. Good morning, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. I I think I'm okay. I think this is just allergies. I think that's all it is. It happens to me kind of frequently during the course of the year, whenever the air pressure changes, so... I assume that's all I'm dealing with. I apologize. Some of you might think I sound better. Some of you might say
4: more more uh like I it,
3: it does. It uh it it uh, lower octave and- Andrew Steck sounded like this on right, postgame yeah. yesterday. You sounded it,
4: okay yesterday too, I thought.
3: I definitely sounded better yesterday than today. It 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 traipses into Macy Gray a little bit, right? Which I've always thought is a good thing. Like it's good to say I try to say goodbye and I choke. Um, it also, when, for me, when it gets to the worst, I sound like a uh, Scotty Farrell Fer- on the bench, Scotty Farrell with ya, CBS Sports Radio, hey, Lunchbox, like, I sound like Scotty Farrell, and I don't mind that either, Scotty Farrell's a legend, so I'm good with either one, today I don't feel like I sound like either one, I feel like I sound just a little off, like, slightly off. But that's okay. We have a Ravens win to discuss. Coming yes. up in just a few minutes, our buddy Dan Wilcox will join us as he is uh, wont to do every couple of weeks during the course of the season. Also this morning, Mike Golick Jr. Um, I don't. I guess he's Meadowlark now. Is that what they say? Wait, what, 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 what do they? What does he call? He's with the Dan Lebertard crew. He left the ESPN like his dad did. Now he and his father do that podcast Gojo and. Goja. And I'm pretty sure that they that it's the Meadowlark team. I think that's what it is. Uh, but Mike Golick Jr., very effusive in his praise of Lamar Jackson from yesterday. We will talk to him about what he saw. He said it was one of the best quarterback games he had seen all year between Lamar Jackson and Matt Stafford. And m- maybe? But if that's true, isn't that kind of a low bar? for A lot of incomplete well, I mean, passes a- on the day. <laughs> like, yes. kind of a weird, I mean, I, we'll get to that. Also, uh, Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by Superbook Sports. I was, uh, it was not a great weekend for me. Four and five, we'll get to it later. Not not my best weekend. I'm still okay because I was at the top of the table. But um, really stupid for me to switch from Dallas to Philadelphia. (laughs) Just should have gone along with it. Bad, 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 bad. Tonight. I admit, both the—and now, Femi was also on Philadelphia last night, so maybe he and I should not agree again tonight. But tonight, I am uh, I'm taking the Titans. I'm against well, we need the Titans. Taking the Titans—well, so. I'm not to win. I don't think there's a chance in hell of that happening. There's a chance. The line is 14— Derrick Henry in primetime game? Yeah, the line is 14 points. I think that's nuts. I think that's badass. See,
4: the Seahawks 14 covered that 14 yesterday. points. Yeah. They did.
3: 14 points is the line tonight. The Dolphins are favored by two touchdowns against the Titans, and I think that's way too much. I I could understand that number being like seven to nine points at most. So I am on. It's in Miami. It's in Miami. Yeah, I'm on the Titans tonight. If you're feeling that, then go over to Superbook. Download the Superbook app. Oh, you, you're not. Nah, yeah, well, considering what you know about picks, I'm gonna.
4: I need Tua <laughs> to outscore Achan by like, I think like ten or fifteen. I have the, I have the Dolphins' defense too, so I don't mm. need just Tua. Mm. But, so it's close.
3: Well, that doesn't have anything to do. That just is selfish. That doesn't really have to do with making smart betting decisions. But what would you know about that?
4: Well, I am. I know I'm selfish. So yeah, that I know.
3: Army Navy under didn't hit either because of that safety at the end. I couldn't believe it. Navy should have covered it. they safe. ran If they That's ran safe.
4: something better than the two worst offensive plays on the goal line.
3: Well, I mean, it's so the goal line thing, then earlier in the game, the fourth down thing, where they were like an inch short. I mean, Ugh. just a tough day. Tough day all around. Yeah. But uh, if you like that, again, download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn Clark 23 When you sign up, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first-bet match. Win or lose from Superbook. Um, look, so we played the Tyron Wallace clip coming in, and I get that – or is it – did we decide it's Tylen
4: Wallace? What else would it be? Tylon? Oh, Tylon. I,
3: I would always thought it was Tylon, but I had heard Tylen in the last 24 hours. So Since I'm,
4: college, I'd call him Tylen Wallace.
3: Oh, but what you, Do you know him personally? No. Yeah, okay.
4: But that's what I've been doing.
3: Are you confident that that's correct, or are you just saying that's what I've done? All right, thank both, you for nothing. Both. No, <laughs> no. Let's make sure we get it right. Because I, if I've been wrong, because I've I have said Tylon, uh, and I don't know where I heard that first, but I always thought that was correct. But I have heard more Tylon in the last twenty four hours, so I'm I'm totally willing to admit that I may have been wrong. In fairness, we haven't seen a lot of him during the course of his Ravens career, so there haven't been a ton of opportunities for us to discuss Tylon Wallace, Tylon Wallace. So I get that that's for a lot of people the headline of yesterday, but. With all due respect, it's kind of an anomaly, right? Like, I I don't expect that there's going to be punt return touchdowns. It's going to become a significant part of the Ravens game moving forward. If it does, that would be swell. I'd be all in. We'll see what the story is on Devin Duvernay. I've not seen any update today. uh, But, you know, when you're dealing with the back thing, that never sounds good. John Harbaugh will meet the media later this afternoon. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton, the bigger storyline this week, but we'll get an answer on Devin DuVernay. So I'm not trying to be dismissive, and I think the Wallace story is neat, right? Someone who has been maligned, who's just never been able to break through, who's dealt with injury. The story was told a lot yesterday about how he was so worried that he was going to be cut at the end of training camp this year that he was sitting in his car outside the team facility. like It's a neat story, but it doesn't project any bigger than that. Like That's a story that lives for a day for me. It's great for Wallace. It's wonderful. But I'm not suddenly thinking that all of a sudden there's going to be a a turn in the Ravens' season and they're going to have an electric punt return game. And yes, I know that the internet sleuths believe that there was a block in the back that went uncalled. I I would say it, it sure as F was not an egregious block in the back. It was at most a ticky-tack block in the back. I would argue it wasn't even actually the back. Could it have been called, maybe? I mean, I I think that the, the um, casual, the neutral NFL observer would say, I'm really glad that wasn't called because it had no actual bearing on the play. But could it have been called? I mean... My God, there's a lot worse things called. There's also a lot better calls that were made yesterday that people were screaming about, but we'll get to that later. Um, I, So I neat moment. Good for him. Now let's talk about the game, because the game had very little to do with what happened on that final play, other than that it was the one that finished it off and won the game. And blessings be that he did. I wrote today for PressBoxOnline.com that I feel like that's the type of game that Ravens fans have an inclination to respond to by by almost feeling like they have to apologize for. That it wasn't good enough. The Ravens didn't cover, right? The Ravens had to go to overtime against an NFC team that had to travel across the country. They... Gave up two scoring drives in the final five minutes of the game. Two scores. Obviously, the first drive didn't start in the final five minutes, but it ended in the final five minutes. It's the type of game that your inclination is to say, that's not good enough. That even as you try to be fair, you would say, that you can't play like that and win a Super Bowl. And I get it. I do. And there's lots of things that we can point out from that game. (coughs) Decisions that were made. I mean, I didn't even bother to watch John Harbaugh to try to make sense of what in the hell was happening in that moment. And we can laugh about it now because, like, the timeout wasn't meaningful. Truth be told, we can laugh about it because after having the timeout to set their defense, the Rams failed the two-point conversion. And that proved to be critical. We can laugh about it now because the Ravens won the game. Like, it doesn't matter. But that was embarrassing. Like, in, in dumb John Harbaugh in-game moments, that was embarrassing. That, was, that came off as petulant. As uh, Femi described it on Project Game Day, and if you missed our Project Game Day post-game show, you can check it out, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Project Game Day brought to you by AJ Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Yesterday we had uh, Femi and Rita, as well as KZ and Andrew Stecka. Uh, go check it out. And if you missed last, or yesterday, then join us after Ravens-Jaguars on Sunday night for the next Project Game Day. Find out more pressboxonline.com slash gameday. Femi just used the word impulsive and, and brought up concern about how impulsive John has been throughout the course of this season. And other people laugh and be like, well, he's always been like that. But Femi's point has been it's, he's even been more impulsive. During the course of this year, and I can't possibly define that right like i it's it's not an analytic thing that I can come to, but that was insane i mean that's a that's like certifiably insane. The only possible justification well there's no justification of throwing the flag. The only thing you can say is i was going to call a timeout anyway. And I wanted to get the official's attention. That somebody up there told him that Demarcus Robinson stepped out of bounds. Which, again, as everybody went back and looked, he sure as f yeah. didn't. And they had it wrong. Which, again, goes back to what the hell is going on in the replay room. Like, what? what is happening? If it took John that long. Like, that, he couldn't believe that they he thought that's what the flag came out for couldn't believe that they picked up the flag and didn't explain it and he was furious about it and intended to call time out anyway so he just decided I'm going to try to get your attention but it it's that's charitable and it's still dumb the most charitable thing i can give john Harbaugh in that moment is insane bat s i mean bat s incredibly stupid all that being said then we can debate look man i i the furor about them not going forward on fourth and inches from their own 39 is understandable this is football now like you got to be able to line up and get a couple of, if you don't have a tush push in you what what is wrong with you Now, the tush-push hasn't been able to save the Eagles the last couple of weeks. But if you don't have the ability, when necessary, to be confident that you can line up and go get a foot when you need to get a foot in order to make sure that you keep the ball and that you keep momentum and you don't give it back, you got far bigger problems. And I understand wanting to trust your defense. And truth be told, the defense had played better in the second half <clears throat> and they had obviously played in the first half. But still. I mean, what, what is the point of having Lamar Jackson if you're punting on fourth and inches? Wait, what? I'm confused. I say all of this to say that I understand why there would be the inclination to feel... Something negative about yesterday. Marlon Humphrey had a rough day. We can debate the pass interference. Uh, my buddy Josh Charles texted me about that this morning. I agree. I don't think it was pass interference. I don't think the ball was catchable. And as a lot of people have pointed out, I'm not even sure he initiated the contact. He still had a rough day.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Even if you take that away. Marlon Humphrey had a rough day.
4: And Bukunuku and Cooper Cup are really good. They're really
3: good. good, no question. But you're going to have to face really good yeah. receivers. You know, that's the reality. Have you heard of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? Because they're on your schedule in two weeks. You heard of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk? Because they're on your schedule in three weeks. Sorry, I did the opposite way. It's two two uh, weeks for the 49ers, three weeks for the Dolphins. Sorry, my bad. Flip it, reverse it, Missy Elliott style. You got to face really good wide receivers. Some that are even more physically capable than Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Bad day. Bad day. All that being said, what's encouraging, and the reason why I'm not down at all about the Ravens' win yesterday is because it felt like their first playoff win. It felt like Everybody talked about how during the course of the bye, things went well for the Ravens, right? And we all use that phrase, control their own destiny. But you can only control your own destiny if you control it. You lose, now ironically, because of the Chiefs and Jaguars' losses yesterday. Technically, even if they had lost yesterday, they would still control their own destiny because they have a game in hand, or they have a game still to be played against the Dolphins, so they can get that tiebreaker back but they didn't know that going into yesterday. They had no idea that the Chiefs and the Jaguars were going to lose again yesterday. In fact, most of us didn't expect that. They went into that game against a very good, hot, desperate team with a future Hall of Fame quarterback who's healthy and playing really well, needing to win the game to keep control of their own destiny. They had things go wrong. The defense didn't keep up its end of the bargain. They were forced to put together a late scoring drive, and they did it. That had the makings of a playoff game. It's not just when two good teams get together. There have to be stakes. You lose a game earlier in the season to the Bengals. It's not the end of the world. There's an entire season ahead of you. But right now, you're going into every game the rest of the way believing that if you lose that game, it might cost you the ability to be the number one seed, to host in the playoffs, to get a bye week. That felt like a playoff win. That felt, and even more so, for a team that doesn't have many of them. There's only a handful. John Harbaugh obviously knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He did it, right? How many other players on this team have won Super Bowls? Kyle Van Noy, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. Justin Tucker. Ronald Darby. There might be another one. This is the core of the like regular players. Those are the only ones that I could think was, of.
4: Was Aguilar on? Did he win a Super Bowl? I
3: don't think that Nelson Aguilar was on the uh, Eagles, Eagles team, and he certainly wasn't on the Patriots when they won their last Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think Nelson Aguilar, but we can ch- double check that. I can get that answer I'm in like, real time. I know I sh- Nelson Aguilar has he was on, yes, yes, he was, he was on, on which the one? The, the Eagles, Eagles. Uh, okay. 2018 team. Yeah. So there's a handful, <laughs> but there's far more of the regulars. Players that barely have any playoff wins, if any. Obviously, Lamar Jackson has one. Keaton Mitchell doesn't. Isaiah Likely doesn't. Zay Flowers doesn't. Rashad Bateman doesn't. We can keep going. I don't even know if Roquan Smith has a playoff win.
4: There's no, well, I guess he was one what yeah. year they went 12 and 4. And-
3: I don't remember. I mean, he might. I, I, don't, I, I genuinely don't. Yeah, I, don't I, I don't pay that much attention to which years the Bears were decent. But at most, the majority of the players on this team have either one or no playoff wins. That's the reality. That's the reality. They need this experience. They need to go win games like this. They need to feel what it's like to have their backs against the wall and how to win and respond in those circumstances this stretch is going to be very good for this team and will teach them about playoff football, win or lose. Because there are stakes. You could argue the Jaguars game isn't quite as important now because even if they lose it, they actually have a game. But now if they lose the Jaguars, the Dolphins game becomes utter must-win. This is playoff football, man. This is that feel. You can say all you want about it. Well, maybe it's not the end of the world if they don't get the number one seed. The last time I got the number one seed, they lost in the next. Say everything you want to say. You know what happens when you play a football game. You potentially lose players. Kyle Hamilton is, this is a critical situation that you're faced with right now with Kyle Hamilton. And you could see the communication was far different without Kyle Hamilton on the field. Every time you have to play another football game, you run the risk of losing another player for the rest of the season. You can say, "Hey, I don't, you know, if you have to play the the Steelers in round 1, that's not the end of the world. You could say whatever you want to say." You would rather not play a football game that week because it's one last chance to lose football players for the rest of the season. So this feels like playoff football, and that's a really good win because it felt like a playoff win. And this group needs to have those experiences because they don't have a lot of it. You'll be able to read about that today at PressBoxOnline.com. Today's show, also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which returns later this afternoon, about 4.30. Stan, Ross, Luke will get together. Facebook.com slash Sports talk some baseball obviously big news over the weekend anthony benboom has a new home huge huge news and then some guy named uh uh, otney otney the uh uh, i know you're talking about yeah Yeah. 700 million 700 million they'll be talking about that uh, later today and you can check that out facebook.com yes better than if he had ended up in toronto we agree with that we do agree Better for the Orioles that uh, Shohei Ohtani went to L.A. and not Toronto. When we come back in, we'll talk more about the Ravens win. Uh, D- sorry, yeah? I need two seconds. <sighs> I know, I apologize. One of these days, man. I, s- I swear. I don't know when it's going to be. It'll <laughs> probably be the day I announce the retirement. But like one of these days, we're going we're gonna to clean all these things up. Because we owe you that. The Glenn Clark Radio. Li- the fact that you've stuck it out this long. We owe it to you to one time, one time we'll get it right, right here on GCR. Hey Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, the Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European Tradition, Baltimore Charm. and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: The cat sat on the Brace
5: yourselves for an unparalleled game day experience at the new Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson. Experience the thrill of live, in-person betting with Baltimore's only state-of-the-art Vegas viewing TV experience. Choose between a person-to-person experience with their on-site tellers or the convenience of their self-bet kiosks to place your bets. Gather your betting buddies and head over to the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks today. Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton, the ultimate destination for game day excitement, Great food and live in-person betting. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Go to mdgamblinghelp.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Make the most out of it every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer
1: today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for PressBox fantasy football analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your waiver wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at, wait, are people supposed to know about that?
3: All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program, recapping the Ravens' big win yesterday in overtime over the Rams. It was a couple people pointed out to me that apparently John Harbaugh did allege that um, throwing the flag was his way of trying to get a free timeout. And again, he could have called timeout, but that's whatever, whatever. It worked. It worked. That's all I can say about that. All right, uh, let's continue to discuss the Ravens' victory yesterday. Joining us now, one of our favorites, former Ravens tight end, host of the Believe in Ravens podcast. He is her buddy Dan Wilcox, and he's with—oh, well. All right. I also, today, uh, I need to spend one minute. I want to thank everyone. We did fill the bowl pick'em pool. It's filled. If you're in the bowl-picking pool and you say, hey, I only see 31, not everyone has gotten in yet, but we've got 35. It's filled. Fact. Filled. Possible that there might even be one more, like just because somebody got into me late and I didn't want to leave them out. Like it might end up teetering more like towards 36 or 37, but the point is we're filled. We got the other $350 that we needed, And that means we're up to $3,000, or actually technically a little bit over $3,000 raised for Helping Up Mission, which is just incredible. I mean, thank you, bless you, is all I can say. That's $3,000 that we're going to be able to go out and spend on toiletries and other items that are needed for the men and the women that are trying to pick their lives up at Helping Up Mission. But we have one more thing to ask of you, and that's for you to bring some of those items out yourself to us. And we're going to give something back to you. And I'm going to announce what that is at the end of today's show. So we'll make those details known before the show is over. Right now, as I was mentioning, joined by the host of Believe in Ravens, former Ravens tight end, and our friend. He is Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Dan, Merry Christmas to you, your family, my friend. Thank you for taking the time for us.
6: Thank you so much, Glenn. Same to you, man. Merry Christmas you and yours as well. Always appreciate you, brother. It's great to chat with you. You know,
3: you Dan, you've been around long enough to know that there are times when the Ravens win games and the reaction from this fan base is like, oh, yeah, they should apologize for that one. And yesterday, I feel like for a lot of people, <clears throat> they're going to have that feeling. But yesterday to me, I, I, I don't know. I felt like yesterday was a playoff win. I felt like that was a team that figured things out against a very good opponent that's playing their best football and a, and a healthy quarterback who's, you know, a future Hall of Famer. And on a day where not everything went right, they still figured out the way to win. To me, that's an incredibly valuable win for this team.
6: I 100% agree, Glenn. Like, I, I felt like the Rams, you know, you still got to understand that's a team that won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And they came in here. They're healthy. Finally, all year long, they wasn't healthy. They just starting to get healthy again. And they came in on fire, man. They came in and played really, really well against a really tough, strong team. And and that's what you have to do. You got to figure out a way to win the, the close, the close games. They're the hardest ones to win. You know, you got to try to figure it out. And then to have a guy like Tyler Wallace do what he did in overtime, man, it just it just kind of speaks to the volume of the depth that the Ravens actually have. And it's fun, man. It was fun to watch on my part. On my behalf and I'm not upset at the win at all you know in this in this year in this age in this this decade of time that we're in right now it is so hard to win NFL football game. everybody is extremely talented everybody got extremely talented quarterback extremely talented defenses and offenses and schemes and coaches everybody got this genius coach on their team that that put things together and you got to take them how you can get them when you can get them man and I'm just happy that we came away and walked away with that thing with a win because I knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh,
3: The final drive of regulation for the Ravens um, is they fall behind after giving up the touchdown to the Rams. And then on that drive, Lamar Jackson goes 7 for 10. And between passing and there was a rush in there, 82 total yards to make up for the yards they lost on a phantom sack and then the 3rd-and-17 play. I mean, the game is on the line on 3rd-and-17. I I, I get that we've seen some amazing things from Lamar over the years, but the combination of what was at stake and being backed Mm -hmm. up to 3rd-and-17, that sequence, that drive, and the way it finished with that play and then the two-point conversion, I, I truly, Dan, I believe that might be among the finest moments that we have seen from Lamar Jackson as
6: a Baltimore Raven. Absolutely. You can't excuse it, man. There's no, there's no way around honoring him for that last drive. Like, even the phantom sack that you was talking about, you know, that, could, that alone could sack the entire right. drive. You know, to be able to keep your head up, knowing that it was a bad call, even after watching the replay over and over again, it's like there's no way that's a freaking sack. His knees wasn't on the ground when the ball came out of his hand. Like, it's just common sense. You know, so you could, at that point, you could have really just let it tank you. You could literally literally allow it to put you in the dumps and just not play at a high level from that point moving forward. You know, but they got past that as a squad, as a team, and they want to play ball, man. They want to play like a Raven. They finished the drive, they finished each play. They didn't let that get them behind or hold their heads down, and they fought back and they take the lead, you know, which could have easily been the game winner. That drive could have been a game winner and we didn't have to go in overtime at all. But you gotta take your hats off to the Rams what they did coming back to get into field goal range.
3: I agree. I against, just
6: against our defense.
3: Right. I, I agree. And that's the thing. they're good, man. Like they're they, I, I think that we have lost this over the course of the season because they have dealt with injuries and they haven't had their guys on the field and they dealt with a ton of injuries a year ago. But that core and they've got it together right now with Aaron Donald and then offensively, Matt Stafford, Kyron Williams Kyron Williams is really good. Uh, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, that's a good football team and a team, you know, with a healthy quarterback that's playing well. Like, I, I can't be angry that it was a close game. I expected it to be a close game yesterday, Dan.
6: I did, too, Glenn. I expected it to be a close game, too. Of course, I didn't want it to be that close. Right. You know, we <laughs> right. almost lost it. But, I mean, I knew, I knew that they could beat us, you know, going into that game. I mean, let's face it, guys. We lost three games, you know. We lost three games against teams that we probably shouldn't have lost to, you know, with the Colts and the Steelers. Yep. And um, I think the Cleveland Browns was the last one, you know. So, when you lose those type of games, people know that you can be beat. So, they don't come in fearing you like, oh, my God, we're going to play the Ravens and they're unbeatable. They know you can be beat. They watch those games. They figure out what those teams did. They try to replicate those exact same things against you. If you haven't fixed them, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be doomed, you know, and. No matter what they threw at us, we found a way to stay in that game and fight back and take the lead back and forth, back and forth, back and forth the entire game. And at the end of the game, we did it. We put together a game-winning drive that could have easily iced the entire game. You know, I love that. I love seeing that because you want to see what your team does against – you know, when when they have to be resilient and they have to fight through adversity. That call was an adversity call. Yeah. That sack. Yeah. That was an adversity call. They fought right through that like it didn't even phase them. And they came back, and you could see the emotion on OBJ – his form playing against his former team always a hype situation for that. Yep. And then you see the, the you know the, the also that same fire out of Zay Flowers, or Aguilar, or Bateman. You see it out of all these guys. You know even Hill. You know so I mean it just it was a great game to see man. I love seeing the Baltimore Ravens evolve into a team where I think they're going to be so dangerous that won't nobody be able to stop us in the next couple of weeks to come.
3: I'll make a a comparison here, Dan, and I realize it's not apples to apples because you know like the one had a touchdown wiped off the board, but the Chiefs were victims of a good call yesterday, right, of a correct call where Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony was lined up offsides, and they melted down after the call. The Ravens were victims of a bad call and turned around and converted on third and 17 and handled themselves in the biggest moment of the game. That, to me, is the dichotomy of what happened in that moment, which was very significant. Dan Wilcox is with us here on GCR. Um, Dan, I want to talk about Kyle Hamilton because, obviously, a lot of concern about, um, you know, how long he might be out and he's going for an MRI today and we're going to get this. It's difficult to define the season that Kyle Hamilton is having by one particular statistic, right? Like, he's not Ed Reed. You can't turn to a number of interceptions. But we're all watching this guy. He is a freaking alien. He is from another planet and does things that other human beings don't. This statistic came from our friend Ken McCusick, film study Ravens. He said the Ravens allowed the Rams 4.1 yards per play when Kyle Hamilton was on the field yesterday and 7.7 yards per play when he was not. So twofold, how do you define what Kyle Hamilton has done for this team and how concerned are you about the possibility that he misses time moving forward?
6: I'm not that concerned if you miss his time, only because of the fact that we're so, we got so much depth. You know, Eric DaCosta and company has done a phenomenal job of just putting together a, a, a solid team. You know, I think the, the last four or five seasons we've had, <clears throat> we've had so many dramatic injuries, you know, to our, our lineup, offensively and defensively, that they had to go back and restructure how they put the team together. You know, they went and got guys with length and guys that are long and the guys that can run and guys that are athletic and change direction and play physical. And they it's on every single level of that, of that defense and every single level of that offense. You know, so, I mean, missing Kyle is a huge – it's a huge dagger to your heart. You know, but it's the next man up. You know, the next man got to step up and make plays and do what they got to do. And I pray to God that Kyle's okay and he come back and plays. I mean, watching him on the field – you know, how he covers the field and how he's almost on every single tackle and how he runs to the ball and how physical he plays. He's able to cover the tight ends with his length. He's able to cover the bigger receivers with his length. Even the smaller smaller receivers he can run with as well because he can run and change direction very well, man. He's a phenomenal player. I love the way he plays the run and comes up and fill the lanes and and you know, he he's he's a guy that you can blitz and, and rush the passer with and everything. So he's a dynamic he's such a dynamic guy. It's hard to lose, but you got two guys behind him. You know, second string and third string guys that are waiting to step foot on that field, and it, it's kind of hard to kind of keep Geno Stone off the field this year too. I mean, he's played phenomenal. You know, you got Marcus Williams back, and you got to you got to figure out a way to get both of those guys on the field. You got to get you got to keep Geno Stone pretty much on the field every play, the way that he's played this season. It's it's crazy that you know he did most. Of, he he's done so much damage, and he wasn't even a starter for most of the year. It
3: is. I mean, it is kind of wild the the season that he has put together as well. Um, you know, Dan, I, I say this to say we all know what's ahead of the Ravens, right? Like, we all know they got to go to Jacksonville, and, and Trevor Lawrence is healthy but, or healthy-ish, uh, but they did lose yesterday nonetheless to Joe Flacco, your old friend. Um, they, they still have these, these dates with San Francisco and Miami, the teams that are considered the best in each division ahead. How confident are you in the Ravens' ability to handle their business, to try to get the number one seed in the AFC this year?
6: I really don't want us to have the number one seed. I don't know why. I Talk just, me through some that. Reason, I'm, I just I feel like I don't want us to have to have a bye week. I feel like I want us to play. I feel like I just want us to keep steamrolling people and just stay energized and stay juiced up and keep our schedule regular where it's not getting thrown off and we having two days off here or three days off there. I feel like we just need to play. We need to play. Like, the more we play, I feel like the better in sync we get with each other. You know, I hate the fact that we lost three games already this year. I feel like we should be undefeated right now. And I just feel like coming in in off a bye, I think I'm having flashbacks from, you know, a couple of years back when we was rolling, rolling, (laughs) rolling over people. And we had that first round bye, and we came back so flat and just not juiced up. And I just don't think – I think that it's a recipe for disaster sometimes to have that first round bye. Even when we won the AFC and, and we went had to play against the Colts. Um, I think it was I think yeah, it was the Colts. We don't we don't like
3: we we don't like to think
6: back to that yeah. year. We
3: don't like to think back to that day. It's one of the darkest days in Ravens
6: history. Yeah, Steve McNair was balling all year oh. long, man. All year long. And we, we take that freaking week off and, and then next thing you know, we get that first round by and we come back, you know, round two and lose with, with nobody scored a touchdown and it was only a field goal game. And I think we missed two field goals that game, and we lost the game by three. You know, it just—it was one of those things. It's just I don't feel good about bye weeks. I just feel like it's set up. It's a recipe for disaster. You end up having the number one seed team come in to, to lose against the, the eighth seed team or sixth seed team or something like that, and now you, everybody's sick because you thought you was going to steamroll them, and you don't prepare the way you should have prepared. or you know, I don't know. You get a little bit too comfortable. But whatever it is, it, it, I feel like you come back in and you're a little bit flat. And we, you put in just as much study time as you normally would. You stay focused on that team. You you know you drill the the plays and the the scheme and everything into your mind. You know, and it's not even like you overlook that team because it's the freaking playoffs. You can't overlook them. You know, you come in and you know you're playing against somebody good because they're in the freaking playoffs. Right. You know, and you just you come back and you just don't seem to have that same juice. You know, it's like you're hot, hot, hot in a basketball game and then they call time out in order to Slow that hot streak down, and then you usually come back out after out, out timeout. If you miss one shot, and all of a sudden you feel like you not you're not hot no more. So you don't mentally it kind of throws you off. I feel like it's the exact same thing with a bye week in the middle of the football season. It just, you know, it just throws off the timing of everything, man. I just, we, I, I don't, I don't, I think that we came in the number two seed and we had home field until we didn't have home field. I think we'll we'll, we'll do a lot better.
3: I understand everything you're saying. I really do. The only thing I don't like about it is it's one more – this is the NFL, right? Much like we're talking about with Kyle Hamilton, like every time you play a football game, unfortunately you run the risk of that being the final football game that somebody plays that year, right? Like that's the one thing that like playing one less football game to me smells like one less chance to lose someone significant for the rest of the season. And I hate the fact that like that's where we are, but man – like yeah. th- th- that's that's the NFL, I,
6: right? I, yeah, I think we I think we built for it though, Glenn. Like we, I, I think years past we wasn't, but this year for some reason I feel like we built for it. Who the next man up? Whoever has to step up and play, he's gonna be prepared. He's gonna be ready. I feel like the backups are preparing just as good as the starters are nowadays, and they are starting to kind of finally get it. You know that you have to prepare like a starter if you're a backup. You can't just go through the motions and and think that things won't change. You know you have to prepare like a starter.
3: All right. Before I let you go, man, we mentioned uh, a second ago your old buddy Joe Flacco. Of course, famously, everyone remembers first first touchdown yep. pass of Joe Flacco's career went to none other than Dan Wilcox. Um, Absolutely. What it, are you surprised? Are you like? Walk me through your reaction to seeing this dude come off his couch deep into the yep. season. In a desperate situation for that franchise, and play the way that he's played over the last couple of weeks,
6: I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Flacco's always been a talented quarterback. You know, I mean, you don't lose talent just because you don't play. You know, you're still talented. You know, you just you just need those reps. So to be able to get him and grab him off his couch, and obviously he was still ready to go, and obviously he still wanted to play because he he wouldn't say yes if he didn't want to play. He came he came right into a starting situation, and who wouldn't want that if you're one of us? You know, like, this is what we live for. you seen Tom Brady retire and then come right back out of retirement just as quick as he retired. So, you know, we want to play the game. You know, let us play until we can't play no more. And then we actually will know when, it's, when the time is right. My last season when I was running down on kickoff and I was running my routes and I felt like I was, you know, running with two bricks on my feet and I felt like I couldn't get in out of my break, <laughs> out of my break fast enough and I felt like a sitting duck. I knew it was time. It was time to hang it up for me. So, You'll know when it's time. I'm happy for Flacco. He deserves this, man. He really does.
3: Nah, it's cool for yeah. him. It's very cool for him. And we are all, all of us are thinking about the possibility of a Joe Flacco Lamar Jackson playoff matchup in Baltimore in January,
6: which would be <laughs> wild,
3: Dan. That would be a wild day. All right, you want to remind everybody about Believe in Ravens?
6: Absolutely. Believe in the Ravens podcast. Check us out. Me and my man Kyrie Thompson on there. We do it usually once or twice a week. It's on the Believes Network and any other podcast platform that you can find us on, please chime in. We are constantly, constantly trying to get better week in and week out. And the more people that we have, it supports the brand even more. Thank you so much for having us on, Glenn. Appreciate you, brother.
3: Dan, always love you. Best to you, to your entire family. I know you've been playing baseball Dad, too, of late. So um, uh, may everybody have a very happy and healthy holiday. And I have no doubt that we'll talk again real soon, all
6: right? It's... Absolutely, buddy. Good luck. Thanks, bud.
3: Dan Wilcox, one of our favorites here on GCR, appreciate him taking the time for us. It, Rita was making the same argument as Dan Wilcox. It was yesterday. Rita very much said, "I don't, I don't want the one seed. I don't want him having a week off. I want him to stay in rhythm." I'm wondering if some of this and Dan, it wouldn't be the same way. I, I, and because, I get, of the, because of the because Orioles, yeah. like and I and I wanted to. I afterwards I thought about that with Rita. I was like, I should have brought that up. Like I wonder if that's also part of what's in our mind. I um but we I mean we know obviously they're very different. Right, the exactly. biggest the biggest difference being in football you're used to having buys. Like you know what it's like to not play for a week and then come back and play. In baseball it's not like that, as was pointed out by I think Adam, yeah, I Frazier, think it's Adam Frazier yeah said like even the all-star break is not that long. We've we've never in our lives gone that long just sitting around like even when you're hurt you're still
4: you know the, the team is playing like, right you're, you're like it's one dot. It. everybody
3: is checked out um so there's that and then the flip side is the part that i keep like to me what trumps everything is every time you play a football game and i hate this that i have to think this way but every time you play a football game you're running the risk that it's the last football game that someone's going to play that season it's the nature of the beast and if I can avoid one of those, that kind of trumps everything to me. I get it. Momentum's a crazy thing. Like, I t- truly believe that the story of last night's football game was a story of momentum. Cowboys got the ball. They go score. Eagles fumble the ball. As they were moving the ball well, right? Like, they, things were going well for them. They fumble the ball. Cowboys score again. All of a sudden, before you blink... Before you've had a chance to get your bearings about you, you're down by two scores. And you're chasing the entire night. And you just never get your footing, fumbles being killer. And give Stephon Gilmore credit. Stephon Gilmore was a monster. But football very much is a game of momentum. We go back to that tight. It's a momentum game. You get off to a slow start, all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball and you just never are able to find your way fully back in. So that's the argument for not wanting the buy. The argument for saying I'd rather not be the number one seed is I don't want for you to get off to a slow start, for you to have a week off and be a little sluggish to start the next game and all of a sudden you look up and it's 13 nothing, and you're like, what the F happened here? And I get that argument. I do understand it. It just doesn't outweigh the risk of injury for me. For me, the risk of injury in any football game you play. And to the point, if it ended up being Dolphins one seed, Ravens two seed, with all due respect to the Dolphins, who are very good, that's one of the lesser intimidating potential AFC championship game trips that you could have. And it's just... The weather is right. not a factor.
4: It's not when you think about New England in the yes, past. Yes, this is not
3: going to Kansas Pittsburgh City, yeah. or Kansas City for an AFC championship game. This is... yeah pl- Buffalo. Yeah, yeah pl- oh, no doubt <sighs> Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, think about what happened in that Buffalo playoff game. Nobody ever wants to talk about it because we just want to blame Greg Roman, but, like, the wind made it nearly impossible to do anything. Going to Miami, it's like playing a bowl game, right? Like... Yeah, sign us up. We'll go play on a neutral field. And I get it's not a neutral field, but there would be plenty of Ravens fans that would make the trip. There would be a boatload of Ravens fans in Miami. And while I think the Dolphins have a very good fan base, I don't want to make it seem like I'm disparaging their fan base, it's not as passionate of a football or sports city as Buffalo or Pittsburgh or Cleveland or places like that where they frankly have nothing else to do. Baltimore. In Miami, they can go to the beach. So there are plenty of people that would be inclined to say, y'all, if you want to come down here and pay a heavy price for my tickets and scoop them up and I can go to the beach, I'll live. So that wouldn't be the end of the world if that was the AFC Championship game trip. Still, I'd prefer not. I'd prefer... Uh a week off to to not play that football game that's my preference I'm, I will always be that way I will always have the preference of one fewer football game to play just the nature of injuries injuries are the thing that uh, drives me the craziest alright hour number one winding down here on GCR brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We've had a, a, you know, a pretty good, actually, response from uh, Pats on the Ass today. Most people getting in legitimate lists, too. I only had like one or two that have tried to cheat so far. I get it. It's a tough day because between offense and special teams, you want to put five offensive and special teams guys on your list, but you can't. Still got to be no more than three combined. And only one of them can be special teams. So, like a couple people wanted to put Justin Tucker and Tylen Wallace on, can't do that.
4: I'm trying to figure out where I want to put Sean McVay for you know not getting the plays in in time. Helped
3: like, out backing up the third. Well, I think the play was in on time. The ball just didn't get snapped. Like I think the it seemed so like they were set and ready to go. And they were there was I saw some clapping on that. Then I guess I
4: should put the the Rams center. Yeah, like that?
3: that would be the better answer. Um, get me yours, Zach Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll get to those coming up in the 11 a.m. hour. But when we come back in, Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us. Thought yesterday's game was one of the best quarterback games he had seen in the NFL all season long. We'll talk to him about that next. This is Glenn Clark Radio.
5: Brace yourselves for an unparalleled game day experience at the new Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson. Experience the thrill of live, in-person betting with Baltimore's only state-of-the-art Vegas viewing TV experience. Choose between a person-to-person experience with their on-site tellers or the convenience of their self-bet kiosks to place your bets. Gather your betting buddies and head over to the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks today. Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton, the ultimate destination for game day excitement, Great food and live in person betting. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Go to mdgamblinghelp.org.
0: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles survivors Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Eneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com
3: Visit Hartford County, gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with A Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along to holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on events. to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can
1: be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it, set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org.
4: There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all, the quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet, so check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly the Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410- 477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders.
2: Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never frozen Royal Farms world famous chicken, a family sized order of western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms New Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite and at only 19 dollars it'll be your favorite meal too. The New Tucker's Tenders Meal, available Only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
5: Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown, or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org
1: slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. You heard the spot for the print issue of Press
3: box, and don't forget, coming this week, as we announced on Friday, our annual Best of Issue, celebrating the top people, performances, and moments of 2023, including our MoGaba Sportsperson of the Year, Brandon Hyde, and the Baltimore Orioles, celebrated as the Team of the Year there on the cover, as you see. That will be available this week and there will be an accompanying feature at pressboxonline.com slash best of that is coming up Wednesday, if I, b- I believe is the date that'll go live. So the best of issue of Press Box coming this week, and you are definitely going to want to check that out. All right, we continue to talk about the Ravens 37-31 overtime win over the Rams yesterday, and I just happened to notice that on the Gojo show this morning, our next guest was effusive about his praise for Lamar Jackson, said it was MVP stuff, and thought that uh, the entire game was one of the best quarterback games he had seen between two guys yesterday. He is Mike Golick Jr., and he is back with us now here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning.
0: No, appreciate you guys having me. And uh, after uh, an incredible weekend, especially for the football team in Baltimore, man, it's a good time. It's a good time to be prisoner of the moment, even if I feel like not all of it is necessarily overreaction
3: Monday Monday. It's a weird, like, I have this sort of funny feeling from yesterday, Mike, where and I'm sure you know this being in our business. In, lo- in a local market, especially one that's football heavy, when you're expected to win the way the Ravens are, Oftentimes, even when they win, the reactions that we get from callers, the reactions that we get are are negative are like well, this isn't good enough and I look at yesterday and I say, "You just beat a team with a hall of Fam- a healthy Hall of Fame quarterback who's playing really well, and the team is playing really well. You also won a game in which not everything was going your way, and yet you figured out to way weigh- a way to win the game and when, when you want to control your own destiny to try to get the number one seed, you essentially have to win out at this point in the AFC. That felt to me like a playoff win for the Baltimore Ravens. While, yes, there are certain things that I'm concerned about, I think that's an extraordinarily good win for this team.
0: I, I would agree. I, I think people will look on the other side and see, you know, listen, we always heard you are what your record says you are. The Los Angeles Rams, as presently constructed, are not a 500 football team. No. Like Matthew Stafford being healthy, Kyron Williams and what he's meant to that backfield. When this offensive line has been healthy in that way, we saw during the beginning portion of this game, they were able to run right down State Street on what's been a really good Baltimore Ravens defensive front that's been really stout against the run. And on the other side has gotten contributions from the young players around Aaron Donald. So, no, I'd agree that felt like a playoff win because I think the Rams are a playoff team. And I think what's more for Ravens fans is, Right now offensively, and the whole year really has been this tinkering with Todd Munkin and the implementation of more of a downfield passing attack and now having to figure out that version of your team without Mark Andrews, the most trusted passing weapon that Lamar Jackson has had during his tenure. And he said as much when they got into the crunch time moments down the stretch of the game. What did we see? An offense that had lived in multi-tight end sets, flexed a lot of that three and four wide stuff, and find a ton of success because your quarterback's better is light years better than most other people's better.
3: I keep coming back to this is a Ravens team that over their history has never prioritized the wide receiver position this year, and it's not even like they went out and got the the three best receivers in football. But the sheer depth of what they did in adding at the wide receiver position, and the fact that they were able to have a Nelson Aguilar make a couple of big catches, and and I, I don't know if everybody caught it, the what he did on the Zay Flowers touchdown in order to get the cornerback to go wide with him, that, that's your fourth wide receiver. We've never experienced anything like that in Baltimore. Fourth wide receivers have largely been guys that, like, were, would be changing your muffler at some point, right? Like, this is insane that we finally get to experience this in Baltimore. And to your point about living without Mark Andrews, the dividends are paying off for this team now.
0: Absolutely. I, I think your point about what the Ravens did this offseason reminds me of Dave Matthews' lyric, they made the best of what's around. Ah, like ah. Odell Beckham Jr. at this point in his career, is he what he was even when he was on the Super Bowl run with the Los Angeles Rams? Maybe not fully because of what injury has done, but we've seen one of his most productive game against, games as a Raven still a threat, especially when it comes to running slant and what they can do off of that. So You've got a group that now is healthy and starting to piece together enough reps together. And I cannot stress enough, Lamar Jackson's always been a special talent. He won an MVP very early in his career. He's been a great player. But you're watching right now, I think, the mastery of the position start to catch up and his comfort with Todd Monk Scheme start to catch up with the otherworldly physical abilities because when you watch the way he's able to move around and manipulate the pocket, it's not just to get to a point anymore where he gets to the open field and all of a sudden the highlight reel starts. It's been a guy who, through much of this season, and especially yesterday, navigated the pocket with his eyes downfield in an effort to make some of the big plays that we saw down the stretch. And so, uh, again, when you can forge your identity through that, and then think about this point of the season, usually for the Ravens in recent years under Lamar Jackson, it's been, well, they've hit the meat grinder of injury, and now it's Lamar Jackson failing to have to carry this entire team on his back because it's just too much for anybody. He's got help in more places than he's used to, and especially in an AFC where you look around and see so many starting quarterbacks out, so many other teams dealing with a lot of what Baltimore's done with in the past. It positions them really well. But I think right now, and we'll see if Miami has their day in court with this on Monday Night Football but I think right now, given how complete the team has been, the Ravens finally, to me, look like the clear-cut number one team in the AFC.
3: Wow, he is Mike Golick Jr., and uh, we are both white men of a certain age, so we are having a better time than most can <laughs> dream of. Um, I, 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 Mike, I, the couple things that you said in there. I said this earlier, and I'm, I'm trying to not be, again, overreactive about it. But given the circumstances and given the fact that there was the phantom sack, a bad call that set up the 3rd and 17. And I and I made a comparison earlier to what happened to the Chiefs. And I get it the Chiefs had a, a touchdown wiped off, but albeit for for the correct call, right? Like they actually were offsides. The Ravens had a phantom sack call that should have been an incomplete pass and they were pushed back to 3rd and 17. So that entirety of that drive, that scoring drive, but particularly a 3rd and 17 game on the line touchdown pass followed by maybe an even better play on the two-point conversion we've seen some amazing things from Lamar Jackson we've obviously been blessed and spoiled here in Baltimore but I think there is an argument that that sequence was among the best things we've ever seen from Lamar Jackson as a Baltimore Raven
6: I I
0: would agree I said it's like uh, you know again speaking of uh, of men of a certain age uh, he was zeros and ones in the matrix right there right It, it looked unlocked everything Everything looked slow for Lamar Jackson in the best ways possible yesterday as things were collapsing around him. And listen, there's still the rotation at left tackle. There's things up front where we've seen, all right, at times cracks in the foundation that's normally been a strike for Baltimore. But Lamar Jackson navigated all of them with the ease of a guy who has so many reps under his belt and seems to be very comfortable now with what him and Todd Munkin are trying to do as an offense. So, uh, yeah, I I truly think, and I mean, when you combine that with, like you said, Matthew Stafford, who now that he is back in the lineup and appears as healthy as he's been in a while, that back and forth, that was a prize fight. And the whole game, when you think about it, a lot of jabs early in the first half, some really inexplicable play-calling deviation away from productive run games for both teams. You had the end-of-half timeout mismanagement by John Harbaugh. You had the end-of-game challenge call that you <sighs> couldn't challenge. There were still some warts there, but so much of that gets mitigated when you've got a quarterback of that caliber. Because it wasn't Baltimore's defense's best day early on. They got run on in a way that was unfamiliar, but yeah. it really was some of the best. And to this date in the season has been some of the best football of Lamar's career. It's been fun. Uh,
3: are you worried at all about this potential like injury with Kyle Hamilton? I, I, I say that. Look, the Ravens' defense is not predicated upon Kyle Hamilton, but um, one of the stats that was pointed out by our friend Ken McCusick that even yesterday, it was like they averaged, they gave up 4.1, I believe, yards per play when Kyle Hamilton was on the field and then like 7.7 when he wasn't. It, it's hard to define statistically what Kyle Hamilton has done, but he is an alien. I mean, he is from another planet in all of the many things he's capable of doing to hurt opposing offenses, how concerned would you be about that moving forward for the Ravens?
0: Uh, I'd be pretty concerned, right? Like you get Justin Matabike back, who is obviously hugely important to your defensive line's depth and versatility. But I think the way to think about Kyle Hamilton, and I had a really interesting conversation with uh, ESPN's Mina Kimes about this the other day, about all of the Ravens' defensive things they throw at you, the simulated pressures, the all-up blitz looks. What does it serve to do and she made the apt comparison, it's similar to what you see from a lot of these Shanahan-McVay offenses where they use motion to try and get the defense to slow down a step. What Baltimore does on defense is the same idea for the offense. They want to get you to think that extra split second to create doubt, and then that doubt creates you moving a step slower, and that opens up scenes for guys to make plays. Kyle Hamilton is like the tight end in a Shanahan offense. He's like George Kittle for the San Francisco 49ers. Because he has so many different gifts and because you can put him in so many situations and he's so versatile as a player, whether that's at the blitzer, whether it's as the hook defender, whether it's playing him back deep, allowing him to do that and be that jack-of-all-trades piece of your defense gives you the options that you can present to an offense on any given play that make them think that extra half second longer, that's the difference between winning and losing. So I think he's a hugely important piece. We've seen that defense has brought out the best in Kyle Hamilton and the role he plays, but he also allows them to be the best version of themselves because of how much he can do for you on any given snap.
3: He's nuts. He's absolutely nuts, man um mike how do we talk about like yeah, it's funny i i almost in a way think the nfl is like rooting for there to be a bigger scandal right there to be a you know a bounty gate or a spy gate because it would get us to stop talking about the officiating and in a weird way and i actually tweeted this like how how wrong do you have to be about something um if you're if you're pat mahomes and andy reid for us on monday to like find ourselves defending nfl officiating in 2023 like hey hey guys actually on this one we're we're, we're not necessarily with you um How big of a deal is this? Are 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 we overblowing it? Do we need to be reminded, like, hey, this is very difficult to do. Like, I I I don't I don't want to pretend like this is professional wrestling. I don't want to pretend like I think that like there are premeditated outcomes and the officials are impacting it. I just think it's a really difficult thing to do to officiate football games. It just feels like the dichotomy between all of us are able to see things that you got wrong and yet somehow they're not getting fixed. It's extraordinarily, and the league is going to have to do something about that, right?
0: Yeah, I think two things can be true at once, right? It's an incredibly difficult job, but you could still be doing a poor job of it. Yeah. like You're going to hear a lot of people in the wake of all these quarterback injuries, and I've already heard some of the buzz of it, talk about the league's growing offensive line problem and how players, whether it's because of development, whether it's because of the assessment of people in the draft process, they're not doing that position as well from any angle and it's affecting play around the league and we've seen offensively, you know, it's felt like a defensive year. And part of that could be ascribed to that offensive lines, an incredibly difficult position. And it's still possible that people aren't playing it as well as they have been in the past. So we can understandably be critical of officiating. I think Pat Mahomes is right message, wrong messenger. Like we, we know most people don't want officiating to be affecting the final moments of games. The problem is, The Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs were one of the biggest beneficiaries of officials affecting the final end points of the game in the Super Bowl that they just won this last year. And because the Chiefs are the dominant force right now, i have likened them to the Golden State Warriors where even as likable as Pat Mahomes has been and as composed as he's been in front of the microphone in any number of circumstances, even as recently as last week, people are not going to like you because you're very good. And people don't like to see, oh, wow, this team that already we feel like has all the breaks going for them is the ones opening their mouth, even if this is the first time really in earnest that Mahomes has done this and brought attention to it in this kind of way. I think he's frustrated the way their season's gone. I think him and Andy Reid, in a way that was somewhat endearing, actually, did their best to deflect blame away from Kadarius Tony, who's going to have another rough Monday after another mistake while wearing a Chiefs uniform. So uh, a long-winded way of saying it's, I think, the right message that, yes, officiating is an issue, but it's not a messenger anyone wants to hear from right now. Yeah,
3: I mean, not, not, I, I, yes, there's an issue, this may be not the one, that's where I am. All right, so, um, what's the most, uh, or what's the strangest thing you've dipped in mayonnaise of late, Mike Gold, Jr.?
0: Uh, man, you know what as of late I have been a little bit dialed back mostly because huh. I know as we get into bowl season as we get around it yes. I am going to have my metal tested because I don't know if you've seen this year we've got a new addition an, to the an, an edible mascot. Yes. Yeah, the Pop Tart bowl who was kind enough to, you know, send me some Pop Tarts out here I, I, as a 34-year-old man, did not need to have a Pop-Tart every day of the week last week, but I did because it's bowl season and it just means more. So I don't know how I'm going to act once we get close to the Pop-Tarts bowl. I was really hoping Notre Dame would pull the draw for that so I could go down there and actively hunt that mascot, but we might have to change the Christmas plan.
3: Oh, man. they got to figure out a way to get you there. That has to be that. I I would have great pride. I mean, the obvious question is, which Pop-Tart would probably go best with some mayonnaise?
0: And you know what the thing is is a pastry in general and i found this out during the duke's mailable dip-a-thon that was in 2021 is most stuff like dunking a donut in that worked pretty well dunking the oreo in that worked pretty well mm. and so a pop-tart because of the you know way it's built and the way it is i think a lot of them would work really well you know i had the chocolate fudge pop-tart and i realized this yesterday Probably deserves more of its day in court for a top three flavor than it's gotten. And I think that in particular would pair very well with mayonnaise the same way that you think of like cakes that involve mayonnaise. I always think of like the Portillo's chocolate cake that does have a mayo base and part of that there being a magical combination of flavors, I think it would work
3: the same here. All right. this is See, you and I agree on so many things. This is the one area where we separate, and I get grossed out every time I <laughs> start talking about mayonnaise. Uh, obviously, I know uh, the Gojo and Golik. Uh, what else can we plug for you, my friend? Uh, you know what? Uh, that's great.
0: I mean, during college football's regular season, I had a great time calling games for college football Saturday nights on Learfield Radio doing a national game of the week for them. We're off during bowl season right now, so it's full speed ahead, man. Golden, uh, Gojo and Golik, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku. You can get us wherever you get your podcast. there. Two hours every day, live fun with Dad. It's his birthday coming up tomorrow, so at Golik on Twitter, you can wish Dad a happy birthday. He's 61. I think he's getting the knee replaced soon, so – We're trying to keep him in one piece at this point. He's our own personal Humpty Dumpty.
3: And I still truly believe that he would be able to like win a wrestling match about just about anybody on the face of the planet. Like I just feel like that the 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 specimen that he is that doesn't change over the years.
0: No, and I can tell you as he is a former collegiate wrestler, he's a two sport athlete at Notre Dame, there's nothing worse growing up around than a reformed wrestler because he's always trying to like <laughs> pick hands or play with leverage or try and wrestle you and tie you up in the kitchen. It's a tough way to grow up. So yes, confirmed he's still got some I of that. The problem for him is I know where every surgery he had was and I targeted. Oh, that's smart.
3: Now that is that is next level. That is playing chess, my friend. Well done. At Mike Golick Jr. Uh, we love him. We love you, too. I want you to know that. I always appreciate you, man. You've been great to us over the years. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes, and I uh, hope to do it again down the road. All right? It's...
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good one.
3: Mike Golick, Jr., with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time on a Monday morning. Uh, you want to go over picks? Picks recap. We'll get to it. Could have been a better week for your boy. And still in the lead, but now I have company. Recap, brought to you by Superbook, because all of our lines come to you from Superbook, and of course, as always, use the code GLENCLARK23 when you sign up at Superbook, and you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first-bet match, win or lose, Superbook.com, or download the Superbook app. It was not a great start to the week, as I don't know why we were all on board with that Pittsburgh, not all of us, but a lot of us. I were. know, I felt, like, I felt good. Yeah, you felt really good. You thought your week was going to go in a solid way. Not to be. Uh, Pittsburgh not only does not cover six, but, of course, they lost outright. And so uh, Griffin, John Proctor, Ryan Chell, Andrew Stecka, and Jeremy Kahn all got that point. Army, Navy, ah, what could have been. What could have been. It doesn't look like the, if you didn't watch the game, you're sort of like, yeah, it looks like Army won. It wasn't comfortable. It was not a comfortable victory for Army. Couple of things, obviously the end of the game and the goal line stand. There was a fourth down earlier. Just a few opportunities that um, Navy couldn't take advantage of. Right. It's a real. Bummer. And
4: they even got the the, the uh, on the ca- oh, the punt that definitely bounced off of. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, that's splits.
3: that was a killer too. Yeah, they did get yeah. they did get the benefit of that. Right. Like I kept looking at it like, what am I? <laughs> I don't want this to be the case, but like how are pretty, we to yeah. it seemed pretty obvious, <laughs> yes. Uh ultimately myself, Griffin, John and Little Rock, Nick Kelly, and Nick Jeremy on Jeremy Kahn were all on Navy and we all missed out on that one. Uh Cincinnati break up Jake Browning, man, playing really good football right now, and Cincinnati wins over Indianapolis. So Colts just didn't look they no, no, didn't do anything. No. I, I told you I thought they were frauds. Like I really did. Uh, John Proctor, KZ, Nick Kelly, Andrew Steck, and Jeremy Kahn were all on Indy. Speaking of frauds, just when I was ready to believe in Atlanta. Me too. God, they turn around and they poop the bed. Now Tampa and Atlanta tied atop, and New Orleans, all tied.
4: Six and seven.
3: Atop the NFC North, all below 500. And th- we are so screwed up. I made a comparison about the. Oh, it's the, we're okay with the, with the coaches having to officiate the games. Like, there are things that we're just used to. So, we've con- convinced ourselves in our mind that it's okay just because we're used to it. Like, we're used to the challenge system in the NFL. So, we're like, well, oh, that's how it should be. The coaches should be able to challenge plays. Like, no, the officials should be the ones to officiate the games. I get it. You would say they're not good at that. I understand. It's part of the problem. Similarly, there's this wacky bit where we're just used to division winners getting home games, so we pretend like it's acceptable. We just say, "Well, that's the way it works." In the NFC, either Philadelphia or Dallas could end up at this point going into Atlanta, yeah. Into Atlanta, New Orleans, or Tampa, despite the fact that it could still work out. The Philadelphia or Dallas, they could both win the rest of their games. And if they do, that would mean that the a 14 and 3 team that's would have to travel to say a team eight and nine, that, if that, at best, might be eight and nine at the end of the year. And we just say things like, well, that's the way it is, you know, and never deal with it. And the NFL has no inclination to change it. It's like they're laughing to the back, like, ha, 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 and they, they use that Marshawn Lynch touchdown run as proof of, like, well, it's created some of the great moments in football history. One. One, and it never should have happened. Just because it was cool doesn't mean like something can be rigged and still make good for good television. It's patently unfair. This is the Florida State thing. At some point, you have to acknowledge how ridiculously unfair it is. You, it's a grouping of four teams. This isn't like baseball where you have to play a lot of games within the division and like the winning. No, it's not even that. I wouldn't argue for anymore. It's nonsense that the winner of the NFC South gets to host a playoff game. Nonsense. You want to guarantee them a playoff spot? By all means. Let them be guaranteed. If you win the division, you're in, even if you don't have a record that would qualify you otherwise. But giving them a home playoff game is shameful and embarrassing, and we should all be willing to step up about it, but we don't because it doesn't really impact us. The people in Philadelphia or Dallas... Might end up being mad about it at the end of the year, but it's one city. And everybody else doesn't care. We should all have the balls to say, this ain't right. That said, our picks weren't right, except for Jeremy Kahn, Ryan Shell, John Proctor, and Paul Valley. Big week for Ryan Shell, by the way. Jacksonville and Cleveland. Needed him to have a pet week. We were mostly on Cleveland, and for the wrong reason. We were mostly on Cleveland because we thought Trevor Lawrence wasn't no, going to play. I
4: was on Cleveland Stop. because Joe Flacco was. You can say whatever you want to say. Quarterback.
3: I know you're a Joe. I understand all that. We'll never know how you would have picked the game. I, we all thought Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing on Thursday. He played. It didn't, it didn't matter. <laughs> Joe Flacco threw for three touchdowns. The mm. Browns win. Uh, only Andrew Stecca and John Proctor were on Jacksonville. Uh, we did not understand why it was that the Chargers were favored.
4: <laughs>
3: and we were right. Denver goes into LA and wins outright. Only Paul Valley, John Proctor, and Jeremy Kahn were on the Chargers. It's um, East and stick time now. What's that? It's sticking time. How oh, Eastern stick? Yeah. Stick time. Uh, Buffalo, big win. Big, big win. Like I, we, we, knew, we knew something was wrong with Kansas City, but I did, not, uh, I did not expect that. That's three now wins at Arrowhead for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, except for the one that, made, that mattered. <laughs> they won all the games at Arrowhead except for the one that mattered. That one they gave away in 13 seconds. Uh, on Buffalo, Paul Valley, Andrew Stecka, Jeremy Kahn. I have no idea why. I had the opportunity. I could have just stuck with it. I
4: feel it. like I picked the Eagles every, every week. I don't know. At this point, I know. I don't know why.
3: I have a rule about good teams getting more than three points. Like, if you're a good team getting more than three points, I'm going to take you. Stupid. I had the chance to just. If you missed it on Thursday, I said Dallas because I thought they were getting points. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, Paul Valley. Ken Zalis, John Little Rock, Andrew Steka, Jeremy Connell get that point. And then um, only a few of us that were on the Rams, Nick Kelly, Ryan Chell, Andrew Stecka, and myself. Ironically, because it was an overtime, they don't get to kick the extra point. <laughs> big thumbs up. Works out perfectly for us. Perfectly as the Rams get the cover. So for the week, big week for Ryan Chell. He's the big winner of the week. He goes 7-2. This week, closest was Andrew Stecca with a very important six and three for him. Uh, five and four weeks over 500 for Paul Valley and Jeremy Kahn. Everybody else rough. I went four and five. So did Griffin also going four and five. Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalas, John in Little Rock. And the low men on the totem pole this week were Nick Kelly and John Proctor. So what does that mean? Well, it means at the top that we now have a tie. By the way, I think I stated the number wrong. It's 250 We didn't make Jeremy Kahn pay because he got in late, and he was just doing the, you know, if I can overtake one. Since he didn't really have a chance at winning, well, we didn't chance. make him pay. No, he doesn't have a chance have been of winning. i horrible. I know, but he doesn't have a chance at winning the league was the point that I was making. 250 bucks okay. is what's at stake at the top of the table, and now Andrew Stecka and I are tied. And remember, we told Stecka if he wins, he can quit. He's not going to want to quit. We said if he wins or if he spectacularly avoids losing. Well, he can no longer spectacularly avoid losing because he's not going to be at the bottom of the table. So he's got to win in order to be allowed to quit the league. Uh, KZ's one game back. John Little Rock two games back. Nick Kelly three games back. But a little bit more separation now as Proctor, KO, and Ryan Schell are all five games back. The problem is that there's now a little bit of separation for the Scott Stat position. Yeah. As Paul Valley is seven games back at the top of the table, five games clear of Griffin. Griffin, 12 games back at the top, five games clear for being the one that has to go by himself to a Creed concert next summer. Have you been listening to any uh, tunes in preparation? No. No, You can go have a time. Sing along. When when you are with me. Uh, Jeremy Kahn, it's, you know, he made up a game on Griffin, but I that's still don't all. plan on doing this, so... What? Going to the Greed Show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you,
4: well, I don't plan on like, losing, so... Well, that's you not...
3: might want to start planning on it. No, not going uh, Jeremy, no closer to avoiding his fate, which is he's going to be the one that has to come in here, dressed as the Notre Dame mascot, taking an Irish dance lesson, performing said Irish dance, as well as zombie and nothing compares to you, while consuming blood sausage, haggis, and tripe, and washing it all down with a Will Levis Irish coffee full of mayonnaise. That is what's ahead for Jeremy Khan, and he can look forward to that. The bowl games, I think it's just going to be nine NFL games the next couple weeks. I was looking at the bowl games. The next two weeks of bowl games, they're like, like if you really want to pick Boise know, State, I, UCLA, or I'd something like that, we can, but I don't think that, I, I, I don't know, man. Let me, see. Let, uh, me, we can, let me look at this. We can put it out for voting amongst everybody in the crew, but I think we just go with nine NFL games for the next couple of weeks. Well, then we is, get the, the New Year's week, obviously. I think we'll I'm better at college
4: games. football than NFL games, so that's why. Yeah,
3: well, we're not gonna. you're not going to get to make that decision yourself. Oh, come on,
4: App State, Miami, Ohio?
3: Yeah, I think we're going to avoid that. I yeah, don't no, think that's going to be on the no. list. Also, uh, sorry to you and uh, PFF Sean. You both lost out yeah, in did. the NBA pool as the Lakers won the tournament, and so Kevin Carver. Was our hundred fifty dollars? The
4: game. New Orleans Bowl. Come on,
3: right? The history of that. Exactly. You can't
4: Jacksonville State. How dare? How in dare their bowl. We, in the Jacksonville State getting into a bowl. Rich Rodriguez. Right.
3: Sure. Other things you have to say. Name a player.
4: Um, they're playing Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. Name a player the involved ca- in the, the game. Raging Cajuns. If you can name
3: one player involved in the game, then we'll pick the game. Rich Rodriguez is the coach. Name one player involved in the game, and you will pick the game. All right. Well, give me a second here. All right. Coming up next, Jeremy Kahn. We'll check in with. Uh, See how the rest of his weekend went in uh, betting, and we'll talk Zion soon.
4: Webb is the quarterback
3: of the Gamecocks. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. You got the internet. I can do that, too. We're not picking that game. It ain't happening. We'll talk to Jeremy next. Glen Clark Radio. Best and use the promo code glennclark 23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
6: What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership a press box, and great ace memorabilia.
1: The next
3: Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, December 12th at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane in Roland Park. It's brought to you by Superbook, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. There's so
4: much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at Costasin.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders.
5: What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com.
3: Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitHartford.com and click on events. To to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is
5: luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today.
3: Hey Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm.
1: Sure. Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash online.
3: All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along here on a Monday edition of the program. For a second, I forgot what day it was. That was uh, my brain was just like, you know, come on, guy, you work it out. Work it out in your mind, and I was just really struggling with what it was, but yes, it is of course a Monday edition of the program, and every Monday, we welcome in our friend, you see his stuff at ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N-C-R-E-T-E, Locks.com. You also hear him every morning, the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, he is our pal Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you?
7: What's up, man? It was a good weekend overall. Um, wish I would had more weeks like this uh, leading up to it, and maybe I wouldn't be singing and dancing uh, to Irish music.
3: Okay, so tell me about your how did your weekend of picks? Because for us, it was five and four for you in yeah. our in our competition. But uh, and the picks that you made at Concrete Locks, how did you do this weekend?
7: It's... Great, uh, it was you know. So we hit the lock. The lock was the Cowboys last night. Um, and I'm oh, sorry, I'm getting a life med or
3: I uh, get an IV at life med today, but uh, Ooh.
7: so um, yeah, well, I'm down 40 pounds, man. There's less of me to love, I, but I, uh, I, I, but, you, I know, am, you still get all of it. I'm
3: torn on how I feel about that, right? Because, like, yeah. I do love your love handles, so yeah. I am torn about how I feel about you losing weight recently
7: see and and that's the problem is uh you know i know these these love handles were were made for you and me um but but no, in, in all seriousness so i like i talked about how much i love the bears this weekend that i thought they were going to win outright i was all over the bills uh saturday i went four and one um with the and the the odd thing being the the one that i lost being a hockey game in my top plays so overall really good weekend um and had some some opportunities there to hit big depending on what you parlayed but uh, and in the NFL yesterday, I like I love the Bucks. I think the things I got wrong and I feel like I was cheated a little bit, but the Chargers with Herbert going down early and that was right after he threw an interception on his own three yard line um, that went for a touchdown. And then um, I also like the Ravens yesterday, but you know, I, I talked more about playing them on the money line and parlays. Uh, just to be on the safe side, so it, it ended up working out for a few
3: of them. That doesn't sound like a bad little week for you. Nice little mm-hmm. week, yeah. Again, doesn't help you at all. You're still gonna have to, you know, get a you know Notre Dame mascot outfit. And you're still gonna have to do all those things. Like that's gonna have, yeah. that's Not not changing anytime soon. But other than that, those are good things. Um, how do you feel? T- I, I I'm putting out the date Thursday the 21st for a drinking show. How would you feel about that?
7: Um, I should be able to do that. I don't see anything wrong with it right, right. now as it stands. All right. So, we'll push it back um, for
3: you. We'll do what we did last year. We'll make it like 10:30 if that's the case. And we got to come up with a hook. I I I I so desperately love the jingle all the way read. But I feel like what we did last year was more like an open house party. I feel like that worked out better. And I'm not even opposed to like bringing in some music again this year, something like that, and just kind of having a day of it and and doing that. Does that sound right to you?
7: Yeah, I mean all that sounds good. Look, you know me. I'm game for anything. I I,
3: I, um, I do know that about you, which so, I have appreciated yeah. over the years.
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um people ask me like, "Hey, are you straight or you bi?" and I'm yeah. I'll try. I'll try anything one. Right, exactly right. Uh, and just to see what I like. No. I I mean, you know, honestly, like if it's good fun, it doesn't matter like how stupid or silly it gets. If people are enjoying it, great. I'm in. Um
3: yeah. All right. So if we invite sure some- If we invite somebody to come in with us, Mm -hmm. what's what's the dollar amount what's the dollar amount that they got to donate to helping up mission to get a seat at the table for the drinking show this year let's
7: see what did you usually did you usually do like a was it a three-digit number or was it
3: i I think if we said i i think we've in the past like i think one year we went up to like 250 but i don't want to make it crazy i just want to get somebody to donate something so i would say do we want to say we could like make it we could invite as many as four people in if they were willing to donate 100 bucks
7: I like that. I mean, I think it works. And then there will be drinks. There will be some shenanigans. So depending on what you're into, it could be for you and a nice
3: little Christmas gift. All right. So if somebody wants to come in and hang out with us for the drinking show this year and be a part of it, step up and commit that you're going to donate a hundred dollars towards helping up mission. And we'll have you a seat at the table for you. All right. That'll be the way that we will do it. A hundred bucks. will get you in here and we'll hang out for this year's drinking show And uh, if we have a couple people step up, we will make room for a couple of people in here. And um, I think Griffin said you would do that show in your underwear too, right? Like you're Griffin. I mean, I'm
7: fine if if that's what you guys want. I will.
3: Everybody, everybody, tarps off for everybody. That's the way it's gonna go for the drinking show.
7: You know what's funny about this is, like, as soon as the clothes start coming off, that's when everybody gets to see. You know, people say I have a tattoo that no one else has. I actually do have that and it's the whitest trash tattoo or the trashiest the whitest trash How trashiest, do I, I know. not
3: know this? I've seen every inch of your body. How do I not yeah, know about your tattoo? I think I'm
7: the only guy in the universe that has a tattoo of an English bulldog with a gorilla body in a yellow jumpsuit with a Tommy gun on its back. I, so
3: I need yeah. to know I need to know everything about it. I need to know everything. Yeah. Every detail of the story, please. <laughs> it's the worst please. tattoo ever. No, it's not. And I don't think I'll ever get it covered up because it's so bad. Would you be willing? I won't share it. Would you be willing to send me a picture today?
7: Um, I'll have. It's it's a little difficult because it's on my back, but yeah, I'll 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 figure out a way to do it when I get home. Okay. To it.
3: All right. I would really like to see it. And and what okay. was the story behind it?
7: So what happened was is that like I ended up getting five tattoos in the span of like I don't know nine months. I kind of got addicted to it and loved it. And then when I was going back in, I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I wanted a new tattoo. And I was thinking I wanted an English Bulldog since I love them. And um, they didn't, I didn't like the ones they had, but I found a good one that looked good. And I said, can we put that face on that body? And they said yes. And I didn't really think it through before the guy put that on my body. But it is an English Bulldog uh, head on, the side, on a gorilla's body, like a gorilla in a bo- like a yellow jumpsuit with a Tommy gun. So they took the gorilla's head off, manufactured, and put the English Bulldogs... In. It doesn't look like it's all that ridiculous, but it sounds ridiculous.
3: I, I love it. I really... I love everything about it, and I need to see it about as quickly as possible. Because <laughs> I
7: love It's it. my tramp stamp. No, I it's all my
3: show. All right. Um, <laughs> I, we've been talking Ravens all morning, so we haven't talked about the Otani thing like at all. Um, yeah. You, I, your reaction to the number, did you always assume it was going to be the Dodgers, and... Well, and what does it mean?
7: What, is, what does everybody think about what Otani and his, his group did? Because they purposely leaked false information right. out to sports writers to get what they wanted out of the Dodgers. So, like, you know, not a lot of people got a chance to talk about Friday, but Friday was an absolute S show in the media where Definitely the, Orioles had a, yeah, the Orioles had a deal done. Then they didn't have a deal done. Were they going to sell the team? No, they're not selling the team. Oh, the deal is done. No, no, wait, it's not done. Um, and it's not going to be done, so they're going to have to go month to month. And then you had the Otani stuff where he's flying to Toronto. Oh, by the way, he's not flying to Toronto. So you have all these different reporters. Like I don't think John Paul Morosi put out fake news. I think he got a legitimate source that told him that, but they told him that for the purposes of driving the number up on the Dodgers. And what we weren't privy to is it sounds like the Dodgers always had the last go at them. Like, hey, you can match anybody if you want to if you want to be here. So. Uh, and that's what it sounded like and they got the 700 million it is a nice chunk of change but if there's any team that could eat it if something went wrong it's probably the Dodgers
3: i the argument that i've seen this from a couple people is well the Angels had Shohei Ohtani and couldn't get into the playoffs so why should we pretend like Shohei Ohtani is that much of a game changer and i think the obvious answer is well the Dodgers are a much better team you know even before they get Shohei yeah. Ohtani than the Angels were
7: the Dodgers made the playoffs and were the best team out west for almost the entirety of the year. And they didn't have—I mean, they lost one pitcher to domestic violence, they kicked another one off their team for what he was accused of doing last year. They had some other injuries to their starting rotation and still wound up in the post postseason. Yeah, did they lose? Of course they do. Or of course they did because that's the Dodgers and it's typically what they do. But but that being said, they have five MVPs on their team. Like that's ridiculous. Like you know, what I, mean? I mean, it's absurd what they have in that lineup right now. So. I don't know how you knock them, and if there's any team, again, that could have him play one position or the other, um, it would be the Dodgers and get away with it for that price.
3: I am, um, you know, I, I'm not angry about any of this, right? Like, the idea that they used writers, like, I mean, that, I don't know, we kind of all have to be aware of, of it, it's why anytime anyone gets any information from someone specifically, I always say back, like, understand, they're telling you what... You can tell me about how good of a relationship you have with... I say this about people that have sources even, like, with the Ravens. I'm like, you can tell me about the relationship that you have with so-and-so, but never forget that they're always going to present to you what they want you to know, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. the way this works. And so every time, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, I get any amount of information. The first thing that has to run through my mind is what is the likelihood of this being true versus it being what they want me to know? Right? Like that's the first thing that I have to run through my mind. And as I consider it and whether I'm going to share it and how I might present it and any of those things. And so I, I, I don't feel bad if like any sports writer is mad that they got played in this process. Like that's the way this works, man. Like you, when you present something as fact, because one person told you it was fact, you're you're wrong like you have to know unless there is a definitive way to know i'll give you an example right i think everybody can probably figure out who my source was earlier this year josh jacobs badly wanted out of the raiders he did that's a fact right Mm -hmm. he wanted out he wanted to be a raven he was hoping that he could be traded to the ravens at the trade deadline now that's not hard to decipher right like i know who my source is i think a lot of other people know who my source is there's a local connection um There was a reason. Now, nobody from the Ravens told me that. Nobody from the Ravens told me. And when I presented it, I said, by the way, I also ran it by two league sources, and they say they don't think the Raiders are trading Josh Jacobs. But I will tell you, and I'm putting this as Josh Jacobs wants out. He wants to be a Baltimore Raven. But I had to measure that with I can't tell you that the Ravens are going to get Josh Jacobs, and I've got to go find out if there's a chance of that. And when I asked two different people, they told me they don't think so. So I'll present it that way.
7: Have you, have you ever been a guy that's, like, I don't care about breaking stories. Nope, like, not at all. I, I never, I've n- never cared about it, and I've broken a couple, and yep. I've, I've had inside information where it's like I don't know how much I trusted to run with it and then it's yep. been true, and then I've had people I've trusted that told me stuff that it, where it's been 100% false. So it's like I don't care about this stuff. I don't need to be first.
3: No, I don't care about that at all. In fact, that one that night was nothing more than I, the, the Raiders were playing on Monday Night Football, and I was like, huh. I've been thinking a lot about Derrick Henry, and I've never really thought about Josh Jacobs. I, I wonder, and I just, ha. Huh, I happen to know someone who knows Josh Jacobs really well. I'll, I'll reach out to that person and see if there's any chance, right? Like, that's all that was on a Monday night because I was sitting around watching football and happened to do that. But, yeah, all the time. I think you and I have talked before about, you know, like I, I, was, I was drunk at the Kentucky Derby when I was getting information about Terrell Suggs tearing his ACL that year. Like, and I was just too drunk to be able to do anything about it. Like, what am I going to do? Start tweeting drunkenly about how Terrell Suggs is out, going to be out for the start of the season because he's tore his ACL. I'm, I'm hammered. I can barely see straight at the Kentucky Derby. I'm not going to do anything with that. This happens all the time. I just, I, in particular, I, I don't feel bad for anyone who thinks they got played here. Like you have to understand that's how this is going to work. The notion that, My God, they were dealing with a $700 million contract. The notion that their relationship with you is more important than $700 million? You're kidding yourself. (laughs) Like, you're kidding yourself. That day will never come. Um, You brought up the Orioles stuff. I, I have no idea how to talk about it. Like, I really don't. To the point where I almost don't want to talk about it. Because, like, it... Is it true, John Angelo' saying, "Hey, we know we have no intention to sell, or is that more hopeful on his part? Like he doesn't want to sell, but his mom does want to sell, right? Like
7: I, I... well, I guess like was his was his statement actually like I, I'm not going to sell the majority ownership. Like, is it something where he'd be interested in uh, selling a portion of the team, but not the you know, the majority I, I mean, I don't know, like because this whole thing we we've all seen it, them celebrating in the box with uh, yeah. governor Westmore. And, and, and then now we come back to this and then it's done, then it's not done. And then, Oh, this guy, you know, we, we've got the Carlisle group that might come in and buy it. No, we're not selling it. It's just like, I'm just tired of it. Like I've defended the Angelos guys and saying, it's not fair to sit there and talk about those guys. Like they're, they're dead. But in the same extent, like it, all this stuff is ridiculous. I mean, they're asking for way too much. They want something of what somebody else has Like, worry about getting this done and getting a good product on the field, and then we work out some of the other details. But I've talked to builders that have said there's no way he can do what he wants to do downtown. So what, do you want to build a brand-new stadium somewhere else and a little city around it like Atlanta did? Like, I don't, none of that's possible, man. At least I don't think it
3: is. No, and it comes at the same time as the Ravens are going to hold a press conference announcing all the things they're going to do to upgrade their stadium, and so you have, like, that dichotomy, right, that you're going to be looking at is, here, we got the job done, and we're doing our part, and we're going to – we want you to know exactly how we're going to spend your money that you gave us. And then on the other side, it's, we want more money. And it's, like, it's impossible. I I I, it, I I can't defend it, but I would also say, apparently, they had an agreement, right? Like, the state agreed to give the Orioles more, and then they backed out on that deal. So, like, can I be mad at John Angelos about that, or do I have to say, like, kind of crappy that you would agree to a deal and then try to alter it right like
7: I- yeah I, I mean look I, I think it's fair on both sides of things if we sit here and talk about it but the one thing for certain is that uh, you know it's, it's almost like we feel like we're i'm kind of ready for new ownership man i, I don't know that anything's going to change or anything's going to be any different when we start crying poor about all the things that have gone on and you won't be able to keep these generational talents we're way ahead of that i mean i did like hearing from scott boris saying that the orioles reach out once or twice yeah, a day at least to try, try to right. extend those guys yeah
3: no, I do appreciate that. That's better than, you know, just sort of acknowledging it's not going to happen. But still, I don't think it's going to happen because Scott Boris doesn't like those things happening. That's part of the problem that the Orioles are up against, and it's where we are. Um, all right, uh, Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. Just your your reaction to yesterday, and particularly to all of the furor about John Harbaugh between the end of the first half, the the challenge thing not going for it on fourth and one versus the fact that like, Hey, the Ravens beat a really good football team despite the fact they didn't play their best. And that's probably very meaningful.
7: Yeah. Look, I think all that stuff matters and what you're talking about, which is look, you got the win once we move on from this, but they do this stuff all the time. Like the the, going back to the Colts game with the not, uh, you know, the calling the timeout or not calling the timeout and telling your guy don't fair catch the ball after they put time on the clock. Like you have to know that, um, whatever that challenge was. And then the fact you can hear him say, or at least read his lips, like he stepped out of bounds when he's talking to the ref, but it's after a touchdown. And then I'm telling you, I read his lips where he said, I F that up. And then after the game saying he did it on purpose because they yeah. wanted, it was a good way to get a timeout. Like, that's just a bold lie, and It's stupid. Like, I'm not, I'm not an idiot when I'm listening to you talk. So I hate that stuff. I mean, me personally, I have no time for it. Like the, just the BS of it. I know you're not going to tell the fans and the public everything, but, I, you know, and you just got to be smarter. The one thing that fans have to understand, too, is that, and I know they get it, but in, in the context of the game, we're always thinking about saving time, saving time. They never want to give the ball back with time, which is, makes this whole thing ironic of what happened at the end of the first half because they don't use their timeouts to conserve the time, but then they use their timeout and then use it with 12 seconds on the clock, so they still have to kick the ball off regardless of what happens. And, you know, it's just like those things, those are little things that you can correct, but they do this stuff all the time. And I just don't get it. I, I like hardball's decision making to me has been terrible at times. The clock management's been awful. And this has been going on for a long period of time, but we don't talk about it because the team's usually pretty successful and then we move past it or they find a way to win a game where they've done something incredibly stupid. Like those things happening were just ridiculous.
3: Okay. I struggle with it, Jeremy. And, and um, there's a number of reasons why I struggle with it. But one of the reasons, legitimately, why I struggle with it is because, and I ma- I've made the comparison a few times to, I'll I'll say Manny Machado. I also sometimes flip in uh, Brett Favre. Manny Machado, you know, I didn't like the stuff that other people didn't like. I wish he would have run out ground balls. I wish he would have been a better base runner. I wish he wouldn't have jaked it. I wish he would have been a more, but the things that he did were so significant that I was willing to live with the fact that he didn't do those other things, right? Like for me to pretend like Manny Machado, the, the way that people were in this town, the, the, the stupidity that we got to because of that stuff where people were like, oh, I'm glad he's gone, which was just insanity. Like, trust me, I would have liked him to run out more ground balls, but if that's the trade-off, if if you get Manny Ramirez and what you have to put up with is sometimes he's just lost on the baseball field, but he's going to hit a billion home runs, I'll deal with that. I wish he's a more complete player, but that's what you get, and that's the way that I felt about Manny Machado. It infuriates me to no end when these things happen with John Harbaugh like i lose my mind but the trade off is for whatever reason players do respond to him and his football ceo stuff works it didn't at the beginning at the beginning it was more awkward than that but over the years it's worked so it's extraordinarily difficult for me to measure this because i do i get as frustrated as everybody else does it's insane that, that you're so impulsive and you lose your mind in a moment that it cost your team a timeout. and You know, I, whatever, he can say, I would have taken the timeout anyway. Like, but that's nuts that that happens. But how do I measure that versus the fact that, overwhelmingly, his team is prepared to win. Everybody that you talk to, even away from microphones, they all seem to think that his leadership matters and works here and is certainly a part of the culture that exists in Baltimore that allows for them to win.
7: I see, and, and I would brush back with that and just say that I think that's a little overblown. Um, I, I'm not I'm not willing to give John all that credit for the way that the teams played. Like they came out flat against a team coming off a of bye week that was playing in essence a 10 a.m. game their time. Um, you know, like when I look at the coaching, like offensively, how much of a control does he have on the offense? Does he have anything to do with it? No, or has I, he been so hands off the past couple years? Right. Like. You know, like people have questioned, does he know X's and O's? And I think that's a little overblown. I think he knows football, and I and I agree with you that I think he's a great leader of men. But the clock management stuff and the other things, like I don't, why can't you have it all? Why can't you have a good coach that understands when to call timeouts? And I'll even say this: like I watched Bill Belichick two weeks ago, not know when to use his timeouts, which is such a stupid thing. Yep. But this is something that happens with Harbaugh all the freaking time, and it's just I don't know. I, I can't forgive the dumb stuff, and I hate it even worse when they win. And he tried to throw it back in your face like he knew what he was doing all along. No, you didn't. I mean, that was, that was, a, that was an error of colossal mistakes. And then he just plays it off like he wanted the timeout. Well, depending on how things would have went, what if you needed that timeout? You know, like, I, I, I just don't, I'm not buying it.
3: No, and I'm not, I'm not willing to give him a pass for that. But it's the, you know, it's the Brett Favre. Yeah, like you th- well, it's, just, it's, yeah it's, it's just the difference. You and I, you put
7: more stock into him being a great leader of men and the culture I, that he's I, created. Where I probably don't put as
3: much stock in, and and again, if they weren't winning, I wouldn't be able to. If they weren't winning, that that type of stuff would not matter even a little bit. But when they win, yeah. I can't ignore it. I can't. Like, it's it's the thing that everybody, you know, whenever we get in this conversation, like with our buddy Ken Zalis, and I'm like, dude, you can keep saying that somebody else should be the coach, and you could find the guy that, un- like, it's totally possible that Josh McDaniels understands how to call his timeouts better than anybody in the history of football. I don't want him anywhere near my football team, right? <laughs> like, this is the. What you're looking for is a unicorn. I, I wish you could find the robotic perfect coach, the guy that can handle all of these things and do this well. But to your point, who is that? Because it definitely yeah. isn't Andy Reid. Like, he's terrible at these things. Tell me who that person is that is both a great leader who has great culture in their organization and handles all of the in-game situations. And trust me, I would love to find that guy, but I... Who is it? Tell me who the coach is. Sean McDermott. Oh, yeah. That's a...
7: (laughs) Sorry. That one one didn't work. (laughs) By the way, did you see someone posted his post-game press conference and it was in Arabic subtitles?
3: No. um, No.
7: No. That was a tough watch on social media.
3: God. Oh, God.
7: Mm. Yeah. All right. (laughs) uh what's coming up in
3: the big bad morning show this week i don't know what it
7: <laughs> yeah so we're all i mean obviously a lot of talk about this upcoming week we're waiting to find out the extent of kyle hamilton's injury because man when he came out of the game i know you guys yeah. touched on it like yeah. uh sub four yards per play and then he comes out and it's 7.7 yards per attempt it's just like oof, it was it was a rough watch once he went out and i think that guy's more important to the defense than what we realized but we'll talk quite a bit about that and if the Orioles decide to make any other moves or sign an extension or you know a lease, whatever it may be, uh, we'll obviously be talking about it and leading into all the games this weekend.
3: At jcon Sports on Twitter is how you follow him. ConcreteLocks dot c o n n ConcreteLocks dot com is where you get his stuff. Always appreciate you, brother. We'll talk again next Monday. All right, guys. I'll see you, Jeremy Con. One zero five seven. The Fan. Big Bad Morning Show. Uh, appreciate it. All right. Um, I have nothing. I have nothing else to say about the Kadarius Tony thing. Like it, it was embarrassing from Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid after the game. Like they, they debased themselves. The, the and, and I, and I think a lot of people have theorized that what was coming out there was a little bit more than just that. Like that, that's, as a teammate, you never want to take your frustration out on your guys because they're going to be on your team next week and you got to go back into the quote unquote foxhole with them so it's easier to take it out on the officials. But that was embarrassing. I mean, that was petulant. That was nonsense. Your guy was a yard off sides. And you can spare me all the, and I saw the people say, hey, typically in the NFL, they'll let you have one oops. They'll give you a warning, and then they'll call you that the next time. Terry McCauley did some homework on this last night and explained that apparently it's been an emphasis this year in the NFL. And it's funny because I do remember like at some point in the last couple of years saying like, are, are we even looking at these plays? And I'd seen it defensively the same way. Like the way that, g- the guys are nowhere close. But there's no, there's no defending it. There's no, well sometimes we're allowed to be offsides. Right, but that doesn't change the fact that you're offsides. And the... The well, you it ruined greatness, dude. They <laughs> threw the flag before the play unfolded, so I am confused. Like yeah, they, they there's, don't stop. The yeah, there is a weird nature to yeah. why do you let the play go out? Well, it's the same thing as a defensive of offsides; it's a free play, right? Defense. Like for the defense, if they get an interception, return it so for they can six go points,
4: harder, you know, right at the ball because if it's a touchdown, it's, like, yeah.
3: it's the same concept essentially, yeah. right? Like that's the reason why I let the play on play go, but this every element of Pat Mahomes' narrative is worse than the previous. Well, you're robbing greatness. Like they decided to throw the flag after they saw what unfolded on the play. Or as if there's been some rule in the NFL where if a play's cool, then there's no penalty. And trust me, we all like cool plays. And we've all made that joke on the internet plenty of times over the years. Like, that play's too cool, you can't let the penalty count. But we all know that's not actually how it works, You don't just get to get away with things because it looked cool. It's embarrassing. Your this is an embarrassing response. I get it. Your wide receivers suck. Which again is once further proof. Just like everybody said with Joe Flacco and the Ravens, that once you pay your quarterback, he just makes all the wide receivers better. Everybody knows that. You don't need to spend money and invest it with the wide receiver position. Maybe, maybe because they have
4: Kelsey be thrown to Tony. Like that's Tony does catch the ball when, when Kelsey throws, when Kelsey throws, t- throws t- it to him, that's it an interesting
3: ball. point. Maybe they should consider that. Um it's, Mahomes it, is the problem. Yeah. It's embarrassing, dude. Like that's an embarrassing thing to be screaming about. Like you're wrong. Yeah, it was You're flatly wrong about was, this.
4: It was just so like jarring, just the way, you know, to see Patrick Mahomes. And it it lose just, his mind.
3: it felt like He had reached his breaking point with the circumstances, and it was easier for him to try to take it out on the officials. And my
4: team's leading the league in drops. Yeah, like I don't know if they're leading the the league. And the thing is,
3: too, in certain circumstances, the rest of us would have said, okay, sure, but not this one. This one, you're wrong, period. The call was correct. I bet on the Chiefs. You're wrong. End of story. No further debate. And again, there's been a couple. Even, by the way, like Mitchell. If they don't call that,
4: like, I mean.
3: We're we're murder. Uh, it's all you're seeing today.
4: You, I mean, like, people are coming back and they're like. Look know, how far. To- he's Tony's offside Tony's by a yard.
3: By a yard. It wasn't close. The Chiefs fans are like, well, look at Von Miller on the next play. And then I, I got it. But God bless him. Mitchell Schwartz, the former chief, the former Chiefs offensive lineman, is on Twitter today trying to explain to Chiefs fans why they're wrong. He's going to the locker room. And like he's in hell. He's in hell because of it. Because you just can't talk to Yesterday I made a point on Twitter about how weird it is that Lamar Jackson won't run when there's 15 yards in front of him. I made that point at like 126. Yeah. Clearly, as the game went on, he did some more running. And the theory that a lot of people have of he's picking his spots, he's picking his... There's probably truth to all of that. I would still push back on it. I disagree with anyone's opinion that Lamar Jackson should have been trying to run less. You guys know how I feel about this. I'm not changing it. You're wrong. The data is extraordinarily clear. There is no greater risk of quarterbacks getting hurt when they're running down the field. None. Zero. It's just some preconceived notion that you have that is rooted in... By the way, if you read Rocketman, frankly, was rooted in racism. It was something that was held against black quarterbacks to try to keep them from being able to play. There is this thing that people believe that quarterbacks are at greater risk of getting hurt when they run, and they're not. Period. It's not disputable. There is no greater risk, no matter how many times somebody comes on this show or any other show and says it. We have the data. Lamar Jackson, of anyone, was the poster child of this. He's so elusive that there, he doesn't take a hit downfield that he doesn't see coming. He knows when the hits are coming because you can't catch up with him from behind so he can protect himself and either go down or get out of bounds. But Lamar Jackson's been hurt twice in the last couple of years. Doing what?
4: Sitting in the pocket.
3: Well, one one to get was out, technically yeah, outside to, of the pocket, of the but pocket. still behind the line of scrimmage, trying to throw the football. We just say things. My opinion is this is nonsense. My opinion is, whether it's Lamar, someone in his camp, someone with the Ravens, whoever has concocted the idea that Lamar Jackson needs to run less is wrong. The opinion that you should only do it in a must-win game or you should only do it in the fourth quarter or something like that, it, again, it, it, you can only come up with that opinion if you believe there's a greater amount of risk And we have the data that shows there's no greater amount of risk. It is a fallacy. But it's my opinion. And yes, as the game went on, he ran more. And I literally had people trying to fight with me after the game. Oh, did Lamar run enough for you? He ran more. And I like that. Because Lamar Jackson running the football is a very good thing. And I can have an opinion after the game that's different than the opinion that I had early on in the game. Or maybe the game would have been different and might not have been so close if early on in the football game, when there were huge swaths of yardage to be had for Lamar Jackson running, he would have just taken them, like on the first drive of the game, where literally he rolls to his right, there's a huge empty space over there, and he could have taken it. But he didn't. And instead the Ravens are forced to pawn on the first drive of the game. We just get into this place of like being, comp- we, we, we can't have a conversation. There was somebody yesterday that was like, that somehow was fighting with me as if I was saying Lamar Jackson sucked. And then just kept talking to me about what the national media says about Lamar Jackson. And I finally tried, like, I'm like, I don't know who you're fighting with. I don't know what argument you've, like, what debate have you concocted in your brain is happening right now? I love Lamar Jackson. Think he's a one of one talent. The thing about that is, I'd like to see him use that one of one talent. Like, he's a great quarterback, he's the greatest dual threat quarterback ever. I'd like for him to be a dual threat. Again, yeah, saw more of it as the game went on. I don't know why you think it needs to wait until the fourth quarter. Sometimes games, I know this is crazy, sometimes games are determined by plays that happen in the first quarter. No. I, I know. Nobody no, ever believes that. They I'm think the only the plays in the fourth quarter matter. But I, it's crazy. They don't give you more points for scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter than you get. It's seven points in the first quarter and seven points in the fourth quarter.
4: Six, actually. Come on. Thank you.
3: If there, was, if there was, by the way, for the record, if there was more risk to running the ball, if there was fact that backed that up, because for the record, I, Glenn Clark, when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson like a mouth breather, spit off those same takes that the rest of you have until I was given the data, and the data made it abundantly clear. And in fact, the argument would be, from the people that are really smart, you are more likely to get hurt in the pocket because you won't see the hit coming. Joe Theismann. The data doesn't actually back that up. The data says it's basically the same either way.
4: Basically, The data says you're playing football.
3: Correct. But the people that really know would say if you can control any amount of control that you can have in the circumstance, you have when you're in the open field. You don't have when you're in the pocket. So I think Lamar Jackson should run more. And I've always felt that way. And I'm going to feel that way until we see that Lamar Jackson is no longer a dynamic runner. And when he takes... 20 seconds to choose to be a dynamic runner, sometimes he's not as dynamic of a runner. Like, by that point, he's more like weaving through a maze of bodies and it's difficult for him to find space. But when the space is there, he's still very much Lamar Jackson at this point in his career. It just feels like he's been convinced by someone, something, somehow, that he shouldn't be. And I don't get it. I don't get it. But it came around a little bit as the game went on. Ravens won the game. That's what matters. All right. Uh, Pats on the ass brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, which returns tomorrow night. We will be at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane in Roland Park. It's not as big of a venue as some of the places where we host shows, so I would encourage you to get there early for the Tyus Bowser Show. It's a partnership with PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. It's brought to you. By Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and helpmygamblingproblem.org. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash bowser. We're going back-to-back weeks. So, again, tomorrow night, join us at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Be there. Show starts at 7 o'clock. And if you can't for some reason make it out tomorrow night, then be with us next Tuesday at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. But we want to see you tomorrow night, Alonzo's. In Roland Park. You know the drill. Pats on the ass. Pick five Ravens. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The fifth can be a special teams player, a coach, another offensive player, or a defensive player. That's our wild card. Take your five Ravens, rank them five to one, with number one being your man of the match. Tough week for me. Like it, it was. There were some difficult choices that had to be made because, like, the defensive players weren't maybe obvious. There were choices, but they weren't overwhelming. And there were some difficult choices to make otherwise. My number five is Justin Matabike. And yes, he had the sack, he extended the streak, he's just having a monster season. But the number that jumps out is five quarterback hits. Five QB hits. And we saw a couple of times that he forced Matt Stafford to have to get the ball out quicker or with more like kind of strange arm angles. That is part of Matt Stafford's game. He's Mr. Strange Arm Angle. Um, That impact is real. It's, it's just otherworldly. It goes into why Justin Matabike is in my conversation for Ravens M V P Justin Matabike is my number five.
4: Um, yeah, I agree with you. I had I had Matibike at my four. Um but uh I because I, I, I was trying hard. I wanted to show some love for Travis Jones. He had a really good game. Yeah, game. a lot of people had Travis Jones on their yeah. list. I get it. It's But I mean Matt, the five QB yeah, hits nuts. like Matabike was, was insane. Uh um and but so at my number five I'm gonna you know put the guy I mean he just never takes a playoff he's so consistent and you know a couple more big tackle for losses yeah Roquan. Uh yes Roquan. I'm fine with that Roquan, Roquan R- Smith is my number five I mean honestly could be Kyle Hamilton even though he played half the game uh, based like, on that yeah. stat that we saw hundred
3: yeah. percent it could be Kyle Hamilton uh, it the the one that made my list is just because of the significance of the play Kyle Van Noy took three points off the board yesterday Kyle Van Noy was the difference in three points. You could say the play call was also the difference. I don't know why you're throwing the ball on the backfield right there when you can't afford to lose yards. But Kyle Van Noyes, who had, you know, a, I don't know, it's kind of an average game. He wasn't particularly significant. But the play that he made on Kyron Williams when the Rams were at their the Ravens' 30-yard Remember, after the Ravens give up the safety, the Rams have gone ahead. Now they're at the 30-yard line. So given the way their kicker had performed yesterday, who – his job was at stake. Right. That's three points.
4: have yeah, Macy Crosby leering over his shoulder every week right. now. O-
3: obviously it could have been more had they converted and kept that going, and then it could have been a real problem because then the Ravens could have been down two scores in the second half. But three points were on the board until Cal Van Noy tackled Kyron Williams for a loss of eight, and they decided they didn't have the stomach for a fifty five or a fifty six yard field goal attempt, took the uh delay of game so they could back up and punt. That, that was points changed because of a play that Kyle Van Noy made. So Kyle Van Noy gets to be my number four because of it. You said Matt Abias is my number four. four. Yeah. I couldn't figure out where to put Tylen Wallace on the list. It can't be number one.
4: I mean, it absolutely I mean, cannot be. It, it has to be. No, it
3: most certainly doesn't. And if it's number one on your list, then we get to have another fun day. Oh, today. great. It 100% cannot be number one for two reasons. The first being because it's one play but more importantly because it absolves him of costing the Ravens points when he was off sides earlier in the game and the Rams punt was wiped off the board and instead went down and scored points. You can't do that. But yes, you return a game-winning punt return for a touchdown. You got to make the list. So ultimately, I split. He's number three. That's the appropriate place for Tylen Wallace.
4: Uh, my number three was Zay Flowers here. Um, is where I put Zay. I mean, very had, difficult for me to leave yeah. Zay Flowers off the oh, list. Oh, he left him off. I, um, had to. I mean, yeah, that like the go-ahead drive there at the end was just Too big unbelievable. Calls. Maybe we should be considering putting Nelson Aguilar on the on the list for his spot here, so but it uh, deserves consideration. But I mean, yeah, the octopus at the end, a great catch for the touchdown, great catch for the two-point conversion, as you know, Lamar took a big shot as well. Um, but great, great plays, Zay Flowers. I mean, I, I, I think I keep saying it because I'm not sure I can believe it yet. But I mean, like, it feels like we finally fi- found one.
3: Yeah, receiver. I mean do not I d I don't I don't I still want to be careful about that. I, know, I, know. I I still do because it's I don't it's not backed up yet. The talent is obvious and he's a really good football player. We felt some of that in the initial time period of Hollywood Brown too. So I'm just not I don't want to get carried away about it, but say Flowers is a hell of a player and yes, it was very it was extraordinarily difficult for me. But what I, I couldn't do is say that I thought he was the best receiver on the field yesterday because I didn't think that. I think that Odell Beckham was the best fe- receiver on the field yesterday. And I think that what Odell Beckham's doing post-Mark Andrews in establishing the, like, we, you got a security blanket. You've got your guy. Make that throw to the middle of the field That where you have to throw it over someone and so you can't put it in the spot where you want to put it in. You got to put it a little bit lower to the ground on third down. I got you. The Odell Beckham thing... If you thought that, like, prime Odell Beckham was showing up in Baltimore, then you might be disappointed by it. Based on any reasonable expectation, the Odell Beckham thing has been a wild success for the Baltimore Ravens. Is one of the better moves they've ever made in signing a one-year player. Odell Beckham has been a smashing success in Baltimore he's on the field. He is reliable AF and is making big plays in big spots. Humorously, the touchdown, he says he ran the wrong route because a lot of us were kind of killing Lamar and like, dude, you you nearly screwed that one up too. He's saying that was on me, not on Lamar. Now, it doesn't resolve the fact that Lamar had other deep ball issues on the day, but it's Feels good. For we can day.
4: argue who the best receiver on the field was. For I agree ratings. with that, and it pains. Like we're, me. we're 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 putting it, out likely. It pains me because I
3: don't want to take anything away from Zay Flowers. Mm-hmm. I don't. Although I don't think on those two, you, the two plays uniquely, I think were more about Lamar than they were about Flowers, and that's part of the like the arithmetic that went into this decision. Um, but. Odell Beckham was just so bloody good, man. He was just so bloody good yesterday, and he continues to be really effing good. Odell Beckham is my number two.
4: I guess we're going to have to get into it. Uh, Lamar is my number two. Yeah, I mean, you can do nearly, this if you want. Nor, I, nearly 400 yards of offense. I'm not going I'm I'm gonna to gonna waste Lamar the time. Lamar is number two. It's
3: a terrible list because of it.
4: It's, I, You can't when pretend. When you talk about the man of the match, it's,
3: uh, yes, the, is the guy that from, from moment one is, to the end is, of the game is, was the best player on the field. Lamar Jackson was obviously number one yesterday. With all due respect to Talon Wallace, who had a neat moment. He had a very neat moment, and I'm very happy for him. And, again, it was good enough that despite his shortcomings during the game, he was still worthy of making the list. And I don't know how I would have viewed it if he hadn't committed that penalty. Right? Like, if he hadn't been off sides, he still couldn't have been number one, but there would have been a better – like, I I wouldn't – your list wouldn't be as embarrassing otherwise. It's embarrassing to say that for the totality of the game, the guy that made one play is the best player that was on the field.
4: When you're going to make a play that is going to be revered in Ravens lore for, no, for it years? Won't be. Yes, I it will. You're, you're, yes, it you're, will. Caught, it you're lost crazy, in the moment. Crazy it was a game. Neat, overtime walk-off touchdown.
3: It was a neat play. It might be remembered for some time. It will be. You keep saying that it was, that. You're and just it was a great return because, like, he, he broke no a couple
4: context. tackles. He it was a fell very good bounds, return. Nobody's spin. arguing any of
3: those things. It was a very good return. Just,
4: just the unlikeliness. Pretending of, of this he was guy. the
3: man of the match is just saying I'm so captured by a moment that I'm blinded by the ability to talk about a football game.
4: I think that's. I think that in 63 in minutes of football
3: occurred. Yes, and he made a heck of a play that was worthy of getting himself on the list. He was absolutely. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, not the man of the match. There's no debating that. He was. He made a hell of a play, and
4: he made the play of the game. Yeah. Uh,
3: I don't. No, I don't. I don't agree with that either. I guess he I mean, made yeah, the one that,
4: there were several plays. He made the teams.
3: one <laughs> that finished the game. He made the one that finished the game, and that's a very good thing. But was it the play of the game? Third and seventeen was the play of the game by far. Third and seventeen, your back's against the wall. This is the what happens if this doesn't go right. If he gets 10 yards on that return, the Ravens have a really good field position, and you think they're in good shape to win that football game. 3rd and 17, if you fail there...
4: Maybe even the two-point conversion. I would is, argue yeah. the two-point
3: conversion was a better play, but the risk was greater on 3rd and 17. Yeah. On 3rd and 17, like go look at the win probability stuff, right? Like On 3rd and 17, the win probability suddenly goes down by about 5%. 3rd and 17 is the play of the game converting in that spot because in that spot all you really wanted was to go get 10 yards and make it manageable that's all you're thinking before that snap is just make this manageable on fourth down and instead they scored a touchdown third and 17 easily the play of the game the punt return was awesome and was cool and was a neat moment but it was not the play of the game it was the one that we saw at the end and it was a cool thing this is the um you like the 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 people lose their the most important play when the ravens won the super bowl in new orleans was the third and one back shoulder to to anquan bolton that was the play of the game and you miss that because it's not as sexy and fun as other things although third and 17 was kind of sexy so i don't know why you miss it
4: that, I mean, I. It, it's why it's a team game, and it's why yes, it's a I mean team Lamar game. I, isn't on. I mean, Lamar might not even be on. Like we might not be doing a Pats list if it's not for Tylen Wallace. And so, maybe, but
3: again, there was not in that moment the Ravens were in very good shape. But this goes to anything. Anything exactly, could be different if yeah. anything's different. So you have to acknowledge what happened for the 63 minutes of the football game. And Tylen Wallace made a great play, but was definitely not the man of the match.
4: When uh the Will Hill the kick six yep. thing happened, where where was he on your list? Was Were you you doing lists?
3: We were doing lists then. It's a good question because it was a bad football game. So it's totally possible that he was number one just because, again, there weren't a lot of options. That was a horrible football game. Who were the starting quarterbacks in that game? I want to say it was Austin Davis versus Jimmy Clausen. Like, it was an atrocious football game. Is is, is, is it the right example? It (laughs) is not the right example. It was an ungodly football game. So anything that resembled football probably would have been enough for –
4: Matt Schaub of the Baltimore. Did Schaub
3: still start at that point?
4: Um, he had the most pass attempts of, Yeah, right, he well, was, yeah, he was, he then was then the then only he was then. the only quarterback. Yeah, uh, maybe Austin Davis did start because he did have some snaps. I believe
3: Austin Davis might have. And then, then Josh missed.
4: McCown came in. Okay. Yeah, it was... Buck Allen ran for 55 yards. Oh, he, okay. Terrence I'm sh- West had 37. Yeah,
3: It smells like probably Will Hill was ended up... Duke, a, ended Duke big...
4: Johnson, the leading rusher for the Browns, had 27 well, he yards. He wouldn't be
3: on the pats on the ass list. Who, what else did the Ravens do in that game?
4: Uh, Kamar Aiken, six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Maybe. Well, I mean, he had to be on the list, I guess. I'm sure he was on the list. <laughs> Chris Givens, do you remember? Does, I do does remember that, Chris Givens, 48-yard you know, yes. It was a
3: terrible catch. year. I remember... it was. Chris Givens, Chris Matthews was a receiver on that team.
4: Crockett Gilmore, Jeremy
3: Butler was a receiver on that team for a minute. Like it was a terrible, terrible.
4: Leading year. tackler Ladarius
3: Webb. The Ravens now, ha- oh god, the Ravens now have Nelson Aguilar as their fourth receiver. Chris Givens was their like number two receiver. Uh, yeah, yeah, that not yeah, a good, not will. a good comparison at all. Elvis DiRulo had a also, to my knowledge, I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think I don't I don't think Will Hill cost them points earlier in the game too. I don't, I don't know. Elvis
4: real five QB hits. Jernigan probably, three QBs. probably made
3: the list if I if I had to go back and look at it I don't but again in that moment when there was no other football to be had yes probably that was good oh, enough. Yeah, for Will Hill was
4: making plays on defense too. So yeah,
3: I'm gonna guess Will Hill was probably the man of the match from that game. <laughs> Yesterday, Tylen Wallace was not the man of the match. He made a hell of a play though, and that's why he's on the list. All right, continue to get me yours. at Glenn Clark radio on Twitter. We'll share them out throughout the course of the day. I told you earlier in the day uh, next Monday night. I've been telling you to block this date off. Next Monday night is our final ask. And it's twofold. I want one of you to step up and um, contribute 100 bucks to uh, come and do the drinking show with uh, Jeremy and I. But next Monday night is the final official ask of our campaign for helping up mission. And we're going back to a place that's been good to us over the years. And I, I, I always thought that it was great to do it there because it was kind of less... You could have more of a hangout atmosphere. There was less of a pressure. We're going back to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. On Campbell Boulevard, you know where it is, in the shopping center, not the one in the White Marsh Mall, the Chick-fil-A over across the street from Best Buy and Target on Campbell Boulevard, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. We're going back there next Monday night from 6 to 7.30. And what we're asking of you when you come out to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is for you to bring items for the men and women at Helping Up Mission. What we're asking for you to bring is these needs. Solid deodorant, shampoo and conditioner, body lotion, body and foot powder, razors and shaving cream, body wash, undershirts, boxers, briefs, socks, For the women, they could also use things like journals and planners, hairbrushes, pajamas, hoodies. They also need underwear, undergarments, leggings, and diapers because the women are actually, some of them that are there have their kids with them. That's what we need. So we want you to come out next Monday night to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. And to make it worth your while, we're bringing out a special guest. Michael Pierce of the Baltimore Ravens is going to be there with us. Michael Pierce is having the best season of his career. He has been, it's been a renaissance year for Michael Pierce. It's been awesome to see. You guys know how I feel about Michael Pierce, so, like, it's particularly special for me to see it unfold. I brought this up with Michael Pierce and he was like, dude, please, I would really love to come out. And has worked around it, and he wants to be there. So next Monday night, here's what we're asking. We're asking for you to show up at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. We're asking for you to bring at least $25 worth of these types of donations. If you bring more, awesome. Awesome. And we're not going ju- like to go try to find a scanner or look it up online. We're trusting you. If you don't have the opportunity to go shopping, then we're asking you instead to make $25 worth of donations. Cash, PayPal, Venmo, whatever it is. If you say, man, I just didn't have a chance to get out and buy anything. No problem. But I want to come out anyway and I want to support you guys and I'd like to meet Michael Pierce. It's either get twenty five dollars worth of stuff or just donate twenty five bucks and we'll run over to Target afterwards and we'll get the stuff that they need at Helping Up Mission. I'm asking you to share that this week with all of the Ravens fans in your life. This is a really unique opportunity. They don't do quote unquote free meet and greets very often. And I know you're going to say, well, this one isn't free either. It is. You're making a donation. This is not going to Michael Pierce. It's not going to me. It's not going to some guy who runs some company. It's not going to any shady handler. Items, and if you can't get the items yourself, 25 bucks. Come out and join us, Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square, next Monday night from 6 to 7.30. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be festive. Michael Pierce of the Baltimore Ravens will be there. Please come hang out with us. We look forward to seeing you, and we'll get more details up online at com throughout the course of the week. All right, Tidbit is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's going on there?
4: Sure. uh, Hopefully, uh, again, once again, I guess it's just a regular occurrence. You weren't betting with me. Hopefully, you were betting with Ryan Schell, I guess. This week, uh, but if you were at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel uh, Maryland, then you have then we they have the answer if luck wasn't on your side because you can turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January fourth, 2024. All Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum, and then two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen with prizes ranging from live casino and hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social, ultimate happy hour plus, cash and free play worth up to five hundred dollars Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday, only at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, Adirondack Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-gambling.
3: We've been telling you about that for a while, but we're running out of time now. Mm-hmm. Running out of time? To go take advantage of that. Less which, than a month. What you got for tidbits?
4: Um, let's see. Where do I want to start? Uh Last night, uh, Brandon Albery, of course, uh, had a great kicking game uh, for the Cowboys. 59-yarder oh, and 60-yarder. Yeah. Um, He made four field goals, and they totaled two. I joked
3: about it. There's a non-zero chance to me that he's the real NFL MVP.
4: You think so? Well, I mean, yeah. We'll have our second kicker uh, ever. Um, His field goals totaled 214 yards with an average 53.5 yards per a kick. That is the longest average length of a kicker's field goals in a single game uh, as after kicking a minimum of four made field goals. 53.5 for Brandon Albury as the Cowboys made light work of the uh, – of the Eagles, as the Eagles, they became the first team in NFL history to have 10-plus wins and no more than one loss, and then proceed to lose back-to-back games by 20 points each. First time that that has ever happened with a 10-1 team, as the Eagles get trounced by the Niners and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys now, of course, won eight games. This comes from Blake Wary from NFL Research. They've won eight games by 20 points this season and are the fourth team to ever do so in the Super Bowl era. And those other four t- or the other three teams, they all made the Super Bowl. The only team to lose the Super Bowl was the 2007 Patriots.
3: Ah, how about that? So they, they went undefeated.
4: They did. They yeah. did. Uh, they joined the '99 Rams and the '96 Packers as well as those Patriots. And then uh, finally, I will. Yes, I'll. I'll leave you with this one. So there are Jaden Daniels did win the Heisman Trophy over the weekend on Saturday. Friend of the program. Of Friend of, course, of the Jason,
3: program. Jaden Daniels. Um
4: he became the Did we get a 12. thank you or um I know in his heart he definitely
3: I didn't get the watch. I just wondered if maybe he sh- gave us a shout out in <laughs> he, he
4: was like right after right right before he thanked his mom. He was By like, the way, he Steve, also
3: I I have a really in 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 Ryan Ripkin's fantasy league. Steve Johnson just texted me like I'm in a cluster F for playoff spot tonight.
4: Like you are, Stevis.
3: We're both in this oh, okay. mess. So, I'm looking at the league and I hadn't done all the math on this. Right now, there's six spots in the playoffs, of course. There are four of us tied for fifth at seven and six. I'm at the moment the top of those teams because I have the most points on the year. Mm. But I'm also trailing going into tonight by a lot. And all I but I like do the have, AFC
4: wild card. Race. Yeah,
3: it's kind of like that. <laughs> I have Tua, Jalen, and the Dolphins defense all tonight. But I'm down by 47 points.
4: Jeez. In, in your matchup or like in the points four In
3: my or, matchup. Okay, in so matchup. I got to win the matchup first oh. and then I can look at the time. Like trying to figure out the, all the different right? scenarios. And I'm, then I got to figure out if is there a chance I can still get in if I lose? Now I got to look to see who else is. So where is Steve? Uh, what's his team? What's Steve? Oh, he's going to win. There's, there, he's already locked up, and he's gonna score 140. I'm, am nervous, man. I'm very nervous. What's our Didi doing? He's in that league too. Oh, he's son of a bitch. He's gonna win too. Piss. I think I have to win. I don't think I have a back I don't think I have a backdoor way into this.
4: I'm down by 15, and I have Tua in the Dolphins' defense. They have Achan, and I'm down 15. Hey, yeah, but like, I if know. I lose, like, if I win, I'm definitely in the playoffs. If I lose, like, I should. There's, I, there's. A good chance I'm still okay, but again, like all those points for scenarios. Okay, yeah, the guy who's in like seventh place right now had a horrible week. Thank God. (laughs) So I may be okay either way, but it'd be nice to, you know, just win. Because if I also win, I think I might get like a higher. I, I think there's still a chance I can get the two seeds, so that would be nice. Uh, how is that? Uh, it's weird. because every we're all like eight and five.
3: Okay, I yeah. I feel like that's where I am in another. League. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. I
4: apologize. Actually, there's no shot. I, I just lose.
3: looked down. I just saw this text from Steve Johnson, I'm like son of a bitch.
4: Um, for the record, the Bears have had two playoff games with Roquan on the team, so Roquan is only oh, okay. two in the playoffs. Oh, so
3: he does not have yeah. a playoff win. So you're we right about that.
4: Do our errors and omissions segment. And uh, so Jane Daniels, twelfth three loss or more Heisman winner. I want to see how many of the other 11 Heisman winners three
3: lost Heisman winners.
4: Yes, there've only been 12 including Jaden Daniels. There since uh since 19 uh since in your lifetime you should be able to name the other all, all the guys that are 1 2 there're only 4 since 1980 <laughs> 1981 Oh man. You should name all you should be able to get all four of those guys.
3: Uh was was RG3 one of them?
4: RG3 did have they were ten and three? And did you say players. Lamar? Uh, I did not say Lamar. Lamar, Lamar yeah. Is the other one twenty, or the most recent one, twenty sixteen. Of course, so Lamar there Jackson. Another
3: one. Are there two more in my lifetime? Because you're not your, counting two more Daniels as being. Uh yes yeah. So there's still two more in my lifetime. Correct. Uh, two more. Not in my three, lifetime. Three losses. So,
4: oh good. So between eighty three and ninety or two thousand.
3: Uh, Jesus Christ! You weren't born until two thousand the F am I doing? Uh, God, who else was on it? A...
4: Um Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. Not in ninety seven of course, but in ninety eight, uh the Texas running back did win the Heisman Trophy with uh, I forgot what the record was, but three R- losses. Ron Dane? Not Ron Dane.
3: Okay. Um, How about... See, the funny thing is I can name a lot of the Heisman Trophy winners, right. but you got to figure out what the circumstances would have been that someone would won. That's why the running backs make sense, because they just put up video game numbers back then, and so they could win without... <sighs> Bo Jackson?
4: Bo Jackson. Okay. Well done. 1985 with Auburn. As he beat out Chuck Long, and I think what at the time was the closest Heisman vote ever. So everything else
3: was before everything I was
4: born. Nineteen eighty would be the next Jesus one on the list. Christ. I'm gonna. And, and this guy ran. This guy had a great season. He ran for uh, the South Carolina running back ran for. Oh, George y- George Rogers. George Rogers, yes, ran for 100 yards in every single game that season. Then before that, 1970.
3: <laughs> I okay, so my. My father grew up, my father was best friends growing up with um, Jack Costello, who is Jamie Costello's brother. So okay. I grew up a little, I didn't know Jamie like well growing up. It's funny because Jamie and I became close after I got into this business and I was like, hey, by the way, my father's, you know, Tom Clark. He's like, what? You know. Um, but I would go, we went to their house a few times growing up and Jamie and Jack had an, two uncles. But I mean, the first time I ever went to the Costellos house, I was probably like nine years old. And Jack Costello said, "I want you to meet my uncle. You like sports, right? He'll name every Heisman Trophy winner ever." <laughs> and these two uncles just like sat there, like, and there was Joe Bellino, and there was just running off every year who won the Heisman Trophy. Uh <laughs> nineteen seventy,
4: the Stanford quarterback. In a year everyone thought. Oh, of. Uh, Jim Plunkett It was Jim plunkett, yeah. Yes. Uh, before that, the, the year before actually, the Oklahoma running back. Was Steve Owens.
3: Oh, okay, been here for a little while. Uh, and then in
4: 1961, it was the first Black Heisman winner ever, actually. Um, the Syracuse. Oh, York Ernie Davis. Ernie, yeah, Davis. Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis. Yes. Ernie Davis, yes. Uh, five years before that, this was the only player to ever win from a losing team.
3: Why would somebody have won from a losing team?
4: The stats weren't even that great, yeah. but it was. I guess it was just a bad year.
3: It yeah. It's also a different era of college yeah. football.
4: Two and eight Notre Dame fighting Irish, he won. I guess maybe that's. Why. Oh, was it Paul Horning? It was poor Paul Horning. Um. Then before that, 1950, this was a, he played on both sides. He threw some touchdowns. He was also the punter and kicker. He was one of two Heisman winners to not play in the NFL but play MLB, Major League Baseball, rather than going pro in football. Other, other of course. Who was, was the other one? Uh, we'd already named him. Bo Jackson.
3: Oh, Jack, Bo Jackson played in the NFL. Dummy.
4: Oh well, sorry. He I meant only Heisman winner to play <laughs> major league <laughs> baseball. What are you I didn't talking? Mean not, in I hell. mean not NFL. <laughs> wow. I meant just go into to ever right. play baseball.
3: Really stated that poorly. Yeah, whatever. Love you, but that was whatever. very poor. It
4: was Ohio State. Uh, Do you know who the
3: only Heisman winner was to not play in the NFL but playing the NBA?
4: Mm,
3: no, Ooh. Charlie Ward. Oh. Charlie Ward, wow. Florida State quarterback. Did not play in the NFL. Went played for the New York Knicks.
4: Uh, I don't know. Who was it? It was uh, Vic Janowitz. I, Ohio State running back, DB. I could probably name kicker. most
3: Heisman Trophy winners. I could not name. Steve Owens and Vic Janowitz are definitely. <laughs> and
4: blanks. then can you name the first ever Heisman winner?
3: Oh, Jesus Christ. When um, it was still the
4: Dak Trophy. Johnny Heisman. No. <laughs> It was still the da- it was the Downtown Athletic Club trophy. Oh, at the time, if you had
3: said that, I know all the Downtown Athletic Club trophy winners. It was
4: the Chicago running back,
3: the University of Chicago. Yeah,
4: I got nothing. Jay Burwanger. Oh, In yeah, sure, Mr. And Mrs. Berwanger. Three loss team. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So
3: there's all your three lost husbands. Right. But- Very good. Very good. Tubular is brought to you today by, ooh, it's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, uh, Monday Night Football. It's not a double header, it's just two different games at the same time on different networks. The, the, the number of dumb people that
4: were like, they were like, dude, saying it's, it's, a double it's like
3: red zone. It's that's why every, it's like it's gonna be cool because now, like, the Mannings can do like a red zone thing. We don't watch red zone because it's our preferred way to watch sports, we watch red zone because we have to because there are so many games going on. You know what, we'd rather do watch the games. It's not like I, it, people are the, the galaxy brain that goes on with this. Dude, Red Zone's very popular. Let's do more Red Zone. Or, crazy thought, make it so we didn't have to watch Red Zone. If they did six and Eight nine. figures like... worth of people watched the Steelers play the Patriots on streaming last week. The worst game you could possibly imagine. And I believe the number was 14 million people watched it. We'll watch bad football. We are not desperate for more Red Zone. We will watch awful football games. These are bad, but not even that bad. That was two bad teams. These games at least have one good team involved. It's so Galaxy Brain stuff, man. Dude, we need to put them on at the same time so we can do more Red Zone. People love the Red Zone. We like... Football! That's what we like! 14 million people said, Bailey Zappi versus Mitchell Trubisky? Why not? Sign yeah. me up. 14
4: million people! And there probably are people who bought Prime just
3: to watch that Tonight, game. you get Tua, you get Tyreek Hill, you get Jordan Love, he's exciting. Derek Henry. You get Derek Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, and they said... Pick. Yeah, But you're going to have to choose. It's red zone you like, right? That's what you want. You want it to be that all the games are happening at once, right? Is that what you told us? No! God, we're so stupid. (laughs) Give up. Give up. Uh, ABC's got Packers Giants at 815. ESPN's got Titans Dolphins at 815. And I guess yeah, the man in cast will be your your red zone option. I know. Probably wouldn't be good. Wizard Sixers at 7 on Monumental. NBA TV, Mavericks, Grizzlies at 8. The NCAA Soccer Championship tonight. Who says the ACC got shut out of the playoff? Notre Dame and Clemson, they're guaranteed to win a championship. Tonight at 6 on ESPNU. USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Non-sports highlights?
4: It is uh, the series premiere of Big Brother Reindeer Games on CBS. at Sure. Eight, or at 9, sorry. So while you're not, so I know, because no one wants to watch either of these football games, so at 9 o'clock. Watch Big Brother Reindeer games. Is there a highlight? Um, Olivia Rodrigo
3: will be on Colbert. She was uh, very good on SNL on Sunday. George on Clooney Saturday. will be on uh, I watch it on Sunday.
4: Uh, Kimmel, or Clooney will be on Kimmel. Uh, Barry Manilow's A Very Berry Christmas Special on NBC at 10 o'clock. Uh, Fallon's going to have uh, Mark Wahlberg and then do a leap on Seth Meyers. Chef Jr. Home for the Holidays Part 2, the final part.
3: I didn't get to watch tonight. yet. I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it because I'm busy all week.
4: Uh, that's what. That's gotta the have Fox. the awkward.
3: Gotta make the awkward phone call to Rita, where I remind her I'm not doing the radio show on Wednesday night because I'm going to see Mariah Carey. Ooh. She's definitely forgotten by now. It's gonna be awkward. <laughs> gonna be uncomfortable for everybody involved.
4: Um, and Barmageddon, of course, at 11 following. Uh, following whatever. What's tonight? The WWE Raw uh, USA Network for WWE. Yes. Carly Monday Pierce night versus Boys to Men in Barmageddon.
3: Griffin says, whatever raw is, everybody's all. it's just a pre-show for Barmageddon.
4: And I mean, they know that. They know that. They yeah. know that they're the appetizer.
3: All right. Uh, thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Mike Golick Jr. and to Daniel Wilcox. We'll get it all up in the greatest hit section of the oh my God, it's so good. tab at glenclarkradio.com. All the normal Tuesday stuff tomorrow. Joe Serpico previews waiver wire Wednesday for those that will still be alive in their playoffs. And I'll be alive in some leagues. I don't know if I'll be alive in all the leagues. Um, we'll we'll talk about the uh, kind of first big week of high school basketball season man I had some thrillers on Saturday night down at DeMatha mm. um, unfortunately they weren't local teams I did have DeMatha's game too that was not a thriller they they uh, they wanted to blow up. And the other two games I had were both overtime games they were wild man it was a great event uh, appreciate Maryland Sports Commission working to make that event happen but uh, we'll talk about that with um, County Sports Zone Radio and our guy Wes Brown we'll talk about Maryland basketball. Big win. Sure. They won. That part is true. Uh, with uh, Patrick Stevens and uh, stuff and things. Stuff
4: and things. Uh, I see you jumped the gun a little bit, but we will, we'll reset that. Uh, that uh, You'll
3: reset the Lamar meter. I've retired. You can do that. All right. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including... Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody.
6: Duke sucks.